Phoebe. I'm Clancy. And I'm Damien. You might be asking, what do two Aussies and a POM have in common? Quite a lot, actually. For starters, Her Majesty has her face on all our currencies. Even the coins. There's a great Union Jack floating around some flags as well. And we speak the same language, sort of. Somehow. Allegedly. Have we love winding each other up? What are we doing here then? Winding you up. But anyway, on this show we discuss current Australian politics. We take a look at past events. While on a mission to ensure the Governor General stays in their job. What? I didn't sign up for this. What? It's in the show's name, Phoebe. Welcome to Let's Save the Governor General. No, I don't want to. Kick him out. What about her? Or her. No, let's <laughs> just not have a governor general. Let's have a republic. With who is, pre- <laughs> with who is president? Not ScoMo. President ScoMo. President ScoMo. No, President Julia Gillard. President Craig Kelly. Good morning. My name is Damien. I'm joined by the lovely Clancy. Lovely Clancy, are you there? Yes, I am here, lovely Damien. How oh, lovely there's a... Uh, no, we're, all, we're all very lovely today. We are indeed. Uh, po- post-COVID, uh, post-COVID loveliness. We're, yeah, we're both post-COVID, aren't we? We are indeed. I, I'm, I'm fresh off the, I'm fresh off the COVID boat myself. So. Uh, That's right. You got a Singapore version of COVID. I, I did indeed, and it's really weird that, like everyone in Singapore wears masks, but because of the way their shopping centres and their uh, public transport and all that is done, there's no social distancing. It's just no. you know, you're squeezing. And, you, and you'd be touching everything too. That's yeah. So that probably the main spread of COVID is actually through um, hand-to-face stuff. So yeah. if you're touching things and then you reach up and scratch your nose or adjust your mask. Yep, or go to eat something or whatever. Or go to like eat there, something. There were like shopping alleyways that were maybe like three or four people wide and there's like a stream of two two lanes of people going one way, stream of two lanes of people going the other way and, yeah, it's just it, it was crazy. So social distancing, yeah. up. So I reckon, uh, yeah. So I, I, felt a bit, I felt a bit crummy before. So I was there for my sister-in-law's wedding and I had enough energy and excitement to be at the wedding and, mm. at, the, and at the reception. Then the, uh, the next day we flew home, landed, got home, just shoved the stick up my nose, put it in the little dropper thing and, uh, hey, there's two lines. Oh, dear. Yay. Yay. Yes. That's, that's me. So, uh, And we're missing, we're, we're missing Phoebe today. Well, yeah, Phoebe is absent without leave. We'll have to interrogate her next time we... Uh... I reckon. Oh, How dare she? How dare she? No, um, no she, hasn't, she hasn't read the messages. I'm just looking at my WhatsApp and, uh, yeah, she hasn't read the messages. Nah. Anyway, t- t- tell, tell, tell me about your crazy life, uh, Clancy. <clears throat> well, yes, it's been very busy here in Tassie. We've had quite a lot of COVID as well. Okay, I think okay. there's over a 1,000 cases a day at the moment. Because you, you were saying you were saying just before that the uh, the health system is 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 struggling. It's very much struggling. So um, as we were discussing before we started recording, obviously it's not just you know people getting sick and going to hospital. It's the healthcare workers themselves are getting sick. So yeah. um, <clears throat> my work at the moment, we're down several staff from COVID, which means that the more pressure pressures on everybody else, um, but also. A lot of our clients are getting sick, which means we have to do um, home deliveries and stuff like that. But um, in the hospital system itself, um, yeah, people are still pretty crook. 
Yep. And there's, um, I think we had our 100th person die from COVID in Tassie. Um, and up until then, uh, up until we opened the borders. Yeah. On December the 16th or whenever it was, we'd only had, we'd only had like 13 people die. So we're up to 100 now. And um, I think there's 80 people in the hospital at the moment. And yeah. Yes. And, and and pretty much, like, it's rare to find someone now who hasn't had it. Yep. Um, there are a few who probably have tested positive but haven't had symptoms. So I've got a couple of friends like that too um, that's just passing them by. But <clears throat> a lot more younger people are getting it. It's ripping through the schools. And, yeah, yeah. And, and they've relaxed all the restrictions. It just seems completely nuts to me. Yeah, like, I know oh. there is there is talk of uh, mask mandates and the uh, work from home mandates coming back. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's been pretty pretty busy at work for me. Um, what else has been happening? I, I I smashed my phone, so that was you know that was fun. Um, I had to get well, a new phone. No, not only was smashing your phone fun, but the saga and getting a new one. Yes. Well, so that was the problem. I had all of my banking stuff on my phone and yeah. I didn't have enough money in my Visa debit card to pay for the phone on the card and I had to transfer money. But to transfer money, I needed to get into my phone. <laughs> yes. And, and, of course, so, be, being a touchscreen phone with a smashed screen, <laughs> guess what doesn't work? Yeah, so that yeah, that was a bit of a saga, but we we won't go into that too much because I could bore you to tears for the next hour. Oh, no, you, about you're, that. you're a very lovely storyteller, Clancy. So <laughs> I, uh, we should have a special Clancy Clancy's messed up life episode. Oh my god, I could write several books about my messed up life, but you know, sometimes it goes right. It's and there's a, a there, there's a puppy who wants to say hello. Oh, say hello puppy. Um, my, actually, my cat's sick too. My cat's got an abscess on its back that ruptured this morning and smelly pus went everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, I've had a Lovely. fun day. We, we've had breakfast. Uh, Yay. Yay. Um, oh, Colo, yes, I love you. Go away. Um, yeah, anyway, speaking of big weeks, uh, probably the, the one thing I wanted to, uh, did want to chat to you about was you recently interviewed uh, gay and lesbian rights campaigner Rodney Croom. I did indeed. Look, Rodney's a lovely, lovely man. Okay. Um, and he, he very kindly agreed to um, have a bit of a Zoom conference with me because he's up north of the state in Devonport. Yep. Um, and so Rodney, basically the history of Rodney is he's, um, I think he's got a Master of Arts or something like that, but he is an um, openly gay man at a time in Tasmania when homosexuality was illegal. Which is and actually a bit of a strange concept. It yeah, yeah, it's very, very weird. And it's it's something I actually said to him because <clears throat> I'd come from Sydney. Um, I'd gone to school with kids from the local gay and lesbian youth refuge. Um and had a lot of friends in the LGBTQI plus yeah, community. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was just a really weird concept for me to think that there was a place where you weren't allowed to be yourself. Well, a place in a Western liberal democracy. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because in Australia, that, for like Christ's that, sake. That kind, of, that, that kind of shit, like my wife being from Indonesia, 
um you know <laughs> like being being gay in indonesia is a bit especially in the in in a place called Aceh, which is in the very west of the the very western province of indonesia um where it is strict sh strict sharia yeah yeah, yeah. you can um, be you can be put to death basically pretty much it and there's also apparently i did hear of a law that they're trying to pass where sex between non-married couples is also going to be illegal uh, as well i heard about that yeah so wow <laughs> so, yeah, so, 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 so the whole idea of being gay being illegal uh tell me more yeah so he so it was interesting because he made the point too that um he was trying to change the law here yep. because he was Tasmanian and he loves Tasmania and he wanted to stay in Tasmania. Um, and people were saying to him, even people um, from the gay and lesbian community in other states and Sydney yeah. and places like that were saying, just move here. And he's like, no, why yeah, do not... I have to move so I can be myself? Like mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to do that. I, yep. you know, so he, he's basically his motivation was that we need to bring Tasmania out of the dark ages. Um, and you know, yeah. the yeah. best, the best That's... place to make changes where is you are, where you live in your own backyard, in your own backyard. Exactly. Right. Which is, you know, I completely agree with, um, you know, I, I've always been of the opinion is don't, bitch about something um unless you're actually trying to change it mm -hmm. <clears throat> so you know that's my 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 view with most things like that and voting as well people bitch about politics but then refuse to vote yes that's it <clears throat> so yeah so he basically spearheaded that campaign with a lot of other people obviously it wasn't yeah. just him um and they actually got the law changed in 1997 so not that long ago no it's uh you know not that long ago so that was pretty phenomenal and i mean i remember hearing about it on the news and just going you know tasmania must be so medieval <laughs> that they you know they still you know can prosecute people for being homosexual and you know people did actually get arrested and put in jail just because they were homosexual and they were having sex with other men like seriously yes so nice. yeah uh, i know a uh, question for you has uh, in victoria they have uh they've actually taken the extra step of expunging criminal convictions for homosexuality yes has yeah. that happened in your state look that's actually a really good question um i'd have to look it up i think they have okay. just off the top of my head but um i can't sort of say that i think they have okay. um I know they have in other places like the UK, they did something similar. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, basically reversed convictions yeah. against people for that. And I mean, it was, yeah, it was still seen as a, as a sex crime. Um, and it was, I mean, it was actually seen as a mental health issue. Yes. So uh, it was on the DSM four for a long time. As what was it? Know. I don't think it was four. I think it was actually DSM one. There's they, one, okay. The, the very original, and there was like a big controversy about whether to include homosexuality as a, and there was like a vote, and it was like apparently a very close and contentious vote, but they had they they didn't put it in. Or yeah. They put it in. Or they might they might have put it in for one version one. Then when version two came came along, then uh yeah. Yeah, they they took it out. So because I mean, there's other things that were up in in that until quite recently, like um, 
gender dysphoria and, and um, being being transsexual was considered to be a mental health issue as well. Um, so you know, there's lots there's lots of you know changes I guess going on with that sort of stuff and yep. reclassification of things that yep. used to be seen as you know terrible illnesses and criminal things as no you're just a normal human being yes. um <clears throat> with and there's you know the be- the beautiful the beautiful spectrum of humanity Indeed, um, yes yes it's a very yeah. uh, very colorful and diverse yeah so yeah so rodney was um very involved in that and then of course um he was also um involved in the same sex marriage equality um debate debate yeah so he he was of the opinion that yes of course we needed uh, marriage equality uh for a whole host of reasons and we we talked a fair bit about you know why why people get married because i'm still bewildered but anyway um you know everyone has a reasons and everyone deserves to be happy and to have the choice um so while while i don't believe in marriage for myself i believe that everybody has the choice um so we we talked a fair bit about that and um he it was really interesting because he'd actually been on the board of the marriage equality um campaign group like the organization but he resigned from that because of the uh the postal vote that got put up because he felt that it would be very damaging to um the LGBTQI community to have to basically go through that scrutiny through the media and they were exposed to a lot of, you know, hate speech and things like that. Um, so we, uh, that was very interesting, his per- perspective on that. Well, look, um, uh, when you upload the files, I will be very interested in uh, hearing what you both have to say. And uh... Well, um, and we also talked a little bit about... Um, conversion practices so he's also um that's the thing that's the main thing he's working with at the moment is trying to get uh conversion practices banned in tasmania um and they've already been banned in a couple of other states like like victoria yeah and victoria um and again yeah very very harmful to people and um something that just shouldn't yeah, shouldn't even be considered as a thing, but does still happen and obviously still happens a lot overseas. It's places like America and stuff, they still do that. Uh, especially with the, the places with a very strong religious uh, religious uh, background. Might yeah, they're trying, trying to pray the gay away. Yes, that's uh, probably the, the, the easy, easiest way of putting it. So, all right, well, I guess I look forward to listening to that when uh, you and Rodney get the files together and put them in our little Yay. one. one well, I'm, actually thinking, I'm actually thinking we should probably put it up as a whole thing as well um, because it's just, yeah, it was fascinating. Because had, had the, a lovely time. the anniversary of the uh, of the vote is coming up as well, I think September, if, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and, and we've just passed the anniversary of the um, decriminalisation as well. So, yeah, pretty interesting. Not cool. 
Um, now, so what gonna, else are we? What else are we going to discuss? All well, the goings I'm, on. I was going to say Australia's being a little, little bit quiet in the last uh, last few weeks, but um, overseas. Uh, firstly, we do need to, uh, I suppose, uh, remember the life of former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Shinzo who, Abe. unfortunately was assassinated at a, uh, a campaign rally. Yes. Yeah, so, by someone yeah. who still held a grudge against him many years after he left office. Yeah, it was very bizarre. They, they thought it was politically motivated, but in fact, it, it sounds like it was a personal thing. Yes, um, yes. Evidently, the gentleman who, well, obviously not a gentleman, the man who um, killed him was an ex-military person. Yes. Yeah, with with and, with a homemade weapon as well. Well, That's and that cool. and that was the thing because there was a there was a lot of shock about it because a that you know weapons in Japan are strictly regulated and yes. I don't know if they've ever had a mass shooting. I think they've had a few mass stabbings. Yep. But um, so, you know, very shocking in that sense. But, yeah, it makes more sense now if you know it's a homemade homemade weapon. Yep. Still got mad people. Um, but, yeah, so that's that was awful. I, I actually heard about that at work. One of, one of the doctors at work was just happening to check his phone and saw the notification come up about it. Yep. Well, I saw, um, I saw the, um, I saw the uh, notification that he'd been shot. And yeah. one, and part of one of the reasons why it struck me was because one of my best friends who lives in America did a year in Japan as an exchange student, so she's very familiar with the Japanese culture. And I think he was PM when she was over there. Mm. I like, oh, well, she'd be interested in this. And then, uh, yeah, when he passed away, it was, uh, yeah. A bit, a bit well, I, I mean, I was I was listening to an interview with. Um, somebody who lives in Japan, who's an academic in Japan, but from Australia, yeah. and they were and they were talking about it. And you know, he was a massive influence in terms of um, Japanese economic revival. And yep. you know, I think they call it Abeism now. <laughs> yep. So I and I mean, I've not really paid much attention to Japanese politics myself. I must say. Um, but yeah, so yeah, very tragic, very sad thing to happen. Um, and yeah, shocked a lot of people. But it really put it was quite interesting because happening after the recent mass shooting in the US and the fact that Joe Biden has actually been quite proactive about um, you know bringing up the issues of gun control and trying to well, um, I well, just just, when, just as you say that, I uh, I think it was last week where Congress actually finally passed some laws, kind of uh, strengthening background checks and some other and some other things as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so, it, so, so it is. It isn't quite the wholesale reform that John Howard brought to Australia back in the in the late nineties, but it's a, it's a step, and I think we have to congratulate America for at least taking a step. Then. Well, especially especially in a place with such a very strong pro-gun culture as yeah. America and, you know, this whole Second Amendment crap, um, you know, and, the, and and he spoke about about Shinzo Abe and, you know, obviously passed on his condolences, but it puts it in perspective yeah. that they've had, you know, this one assass an assassination t attempt against this one person in a year where America's had over 300 mass shootings yes. already. Yep. yep, yep, that's... You know, so it's just like this total shock that this has happened in Japan for one person. Yep. 
Um, and yet, yeah. In, in America, it's just, uh, yeah, it happens. It's just, it's just a daily that, occurrence yeah, now. It, make, it makes the news. And one of the, yeah. problems, one of the problems that America has, and uh, you said before, the, the, the gun culture they have, is that to make an amendment to the Constitution, if I remember correctly, uh, two-thirds of the populace have to, two, so two-thirds of the states have to agree to amend the Constitution. And yeah, I think, I think there's bugger all chance of a two-thirds majority agreeing to take away the, the second, second amendment but there are things that the individual states can do oh, yes. to yeah. control guns as well so that's you know uh and, and i mean having said that of course then you have to talk about the abortion yes. roe versus wade being overturned um in the supreme court which mm -hmm. again has been incredibly shocking and upsetting to a lot of people and puts women's rights back several generations basically it indeed well it's it's okay if you live in one of the liberal states where uh um, abortion is allowed but it's more those women who live in the more regressive states particularly in the bible belt where um yeah where they also tend to have lower education lower socioeconomic backgrounds and less access to health care and preventative health care generally including contraception yes that's uh and are less able to travel to another state to secure an abortion or even yeah proper health care as well yeah exactly uh, i mean if you if you deny basic health care and i mean are least able to have babies you know, because the healthcare is not there for babies either once they get born. So, or for the pregnant mothers mm, while they're pregnant. That's, a, that's, that's the thing. And uh, there are some states that have a complete blanket ban on, on abortive procedures. So if you have uh, things like preeclampsia, if you have an ectopic pregnancy, um, yeah. yeah, you are. So look, women are literally going to die because of this. Um, it's just a thing um this whole idea of okay yes they've banned safe abortions but women are still going to get abortions yes that's, they're just not going to be safe legal you know abortions so i don't know i, I don't know i think the yeah i think i think the theocracy is finally coming to pass very definitely is, uh... very definitely so so yes yeah, so, so it's a little bit I feel a bit sorry for America in that you have uh, you have the choice between the Republicans who are essentially pushing for a theocracy by stacking the Supreme Court with people who just happen to like it's just it's just a surprise that all of the justices nominated by conservative presidents just happen to overturn Roe versus Wade. What 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 a shock! Wow, what a shock! Look. What, what, it the interesting thing too, um, I put up a post on Facebook and I was like, you know, bloody hell, this was before the, the last shooting, by the way, last mass shooting. Um, and I put up a post and I was like, well, you know, they've gotten rid of the abortion rights. Can't we get rid of the right to bear arms now? And of course, someone pointed out that, well, you know, one was a constitutional thing and the other other one wasn't. But yeah. the Roe versus Wade, I think what they basically the ruling was that they were it was a reading of the Constitution. Correct. Yes. About so personal freedoms. So correct. There and, is no explicit constitutional right to an abortion, but there was a no. 
right to due right. procedure and that was yes. uh, yeah, that, yeah that's kind of where the implicit the implied right was was based the implied right so um and a friend of mine sort of protested about there would have to be a referendum to change the constitution correct. yep that's correct and, and i'm like well majority and uh, yeah but it's about the reading of the constitution and, and how they interpret it and i mean it, it reminds me a bit of how Christians defend the Bible, um, you know, and they pick and choose the bits that they want to follow and then the bits that they don't want to follow. They go, oh, well, no, that's up for interpretation. Yeah, but that, that's all, that's, that's the Old Testament. That's a, yeah. yeah, well, you know, and it's, and essentially, you know, the, the Americans treat the Constitution like it is a holy document, you know, but it's like the Bible. It was written by people yep. at a time. Yep. Mm -hmm. you know, when these sorts of things were relevant and yep. times have changed and society has changed and we probably need to rewrite the fucking constitution. I, th I think so too. I think, you know, if, the, if, if America was being founded now as a new nation with a new constitution, there is no way they would put, you know, uh, yeah. a, a blanket right to bear arms in, in there. The, well, that, the, the, it wouldn't even be dreamed of, I don't think. No, no. You know, and but and this is the funny thing about the Australian Constitution is we've got a fairly bare Constitution. Yep. There are a lot of things that we don't technically have rights to do in our Constitution. We don't have a right to free speech, for instance. No, not. But we all just assume that we do. Yes, correct. It's it's really weird. So I know um, some of the states. I know Victoria does have something equivalent to a Bill of Rights. Yeah. Which was okay. Um, it's more like yeah. I think there was like something like every person has a right to government documentation in their own language. Um, so the weird, weird, extraneous things like that. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's it's, it's I, I I find it interesting that people like, you know, hold this up as some you know oh this is incontrovertible <laughs> and it's written in stone and you know yeah. and i was like no there's amendments no. the fucking thing has amendments you well, can amend it you can change the right it. to bear arms is an amendment this is the thing it's the second amendment it was after <laughs> the first one that says that government shall not promote religion i know so um, and, it, and this is the thing that really shits me it's like you amended it once you can amend it again you've amended it 14 times exactly but you know it, don't treat your constitution like a sacred government a sacred document it's mm. it's something that is fluid and can be changed it just takes a bit of effort it does you know yes. it just takes some effort to do it but there are ways around it too that's the other thing that shits me the interpretation thing. Uh, yep, yep. And that's you know. where justice come in. That's where executive orders come in. That's where... And you also have to, you also have to remember that in America, it's, it is essentially the federal government versus the states. Yes. Very, yeah. very, all this tension between state level and federal level and, uh, yeah, there's certain rules. Like, like Just like in Australia, there are certain powers that are split between the federal and state and even local uh, jurisdictions, but in America, that divide is a lot more pronounced. It, yeah, it, it really is. But there's also a lot more states that they have to deal with. Yep. Um, but you know, it's 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 interesting too. In Australia, um, we're having a bit of a debate about the healthcare system and how the healthcare system in some states 
is really not very well supported. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a couple of instances where, you know, I've heard people advocate, no, I think it would be a good idea for health to be federalised, not to be a state-based thing. Because part of the issue that we have too is there's certain parts of it that are federalised anyway, yep. like Medicare, and there are certain parts of it where there's restrictions put in place so that, um, for instance, with GPs, if a, if a GP uh, comes to Australia from out of Australia, yep. part of their conditions of employment is that they have to work in a re- regional area yep. so they can't just go straight to the city and set up a practice. They have to work in a regional area for a set amount of time, I think it's six months or a year or something like that. Yeah, it sounds about correct. Um, but in Tasmania, the whole of Tasmania is considered to be a regional area. That includes Hobart and Launceston. Okay. So, so technically they can go... To Hobart. To Hobart, um, and which means that a lot of, a lot of r- the rural, truly rural regional yes. areas are like not... Like the West people, Coast and, yeah. Like the West, exactly. So there's a lot of stuff going on there. And one of the, the points that's being made is that because GPs are private... They are either employed by private GP practices, so and there's a few corporatized ones like Oka Health and yes, yep. um, a few others that provide doctors and provide locums to certain areas. Um, all they set up is their own GP practice. Yes. And that is really hard in some rural and regional areas. But if we paid them a salary... So if the, the government actually employed them to work in those areas and got paid a salary, they wouldn't have to do all that. They wouldn't have the same overheads. Um, and it would be a lot easier to get doctors to work out in those areas because at the moment nurses are employed by the state, so yeah. we get paid a salary. So places where I've worked in community nursing, we're salaried. Um, and they don't seem to have nearly as much problems getting nurses to work in those sorts of areas, although it's still, it's still difficult. But doctors, it's just not financially viable for a lot of doctors to work in those sort of remote areas, and they're not very well supported either. Okay. Um, so, you know, that sort of stuff I think would be sensible if it was federalised because then you could, you could, you know, properly employ Doctors yeah, and nurses and various other There's an idea. Let's pro- properly employ pe- properly employ yeah, people to look after us. Exactly right. So, like, you know, I, I think it's a no-brainer. But then there's a lot of doctors who get into it because they want to get into private practice and make lots of money, and they don't necessarily want to be salaried. They they consider it a business. Yes. Um, but you know, I I reckon it could be mixed up a little bit. Um, so there's there's things like health that I reckon could be federalised, not have your little state silos, and it would make things like pandemic management... Oh, no, really? ..a lot more equitable because we would have a federal-based health system, which means that all of the advice would be the same for everybody, mm-hmm. and you would have it centrally a managed... Central, yes, a central managed unit, yes. Centrally managed. You know, so you would have something like the CDC in America. We don't actually have that here. They, they've got a target, but that's actually about vaccination. It's not yes, about yeah, public yeah. health. 
I so think we each have state. as well. Um, no, APRA's the APRA's the organisation that credentials. Oh yes, yeah, sorry, yeah, and right. registers and registers health practitioners. Practitioners. So we don't actually have a federal public health unit per se. All of the states have their own, and then they cooperate. Yeah. yeah. So you've you've got a minister at the top and stuff who who organises it, but they don't actually have an organisation like the CDC in America that sort of goes across all areas. Um, and it would stop a lot of the, the wrangling between states and the federal government as well when it comes election time. There's all this, you know, horse trading and jockeying and, you know, piss fighting around about, yeah, you know, exactly you didn't give right. us enough money, you didn't spend the money correctly that we gave you, rah, rah, rah. So, yeah. Yeah, Maybe, exactly. maybe there's a point uh, to federalise federalize it. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, so most of those sorts of things I reckon probably would benefit from that but then you you got you've got the the liberals with um a big l who don't like government having more power yes than they already do um you know and and basically try and outsource everything which means that they know it goes have back, to, goes back to private anyway which yeah and we all pay more money for it so yeah, get less um, service yeah exactly i mean it reminds me of when they privatised, you know, electricity in New South Wales and then they basically just went through and privatised everything. Yes. And nothing, you know, all the services, everything went the up The electricity, the gas, the public transport. Yeah, and it all became more unreliable too because they didn't, they didn't actually have proper checks and, you know. Well, it's interesting, it's interesting how they have, um, like, these KPIs that they're supposed to live up to, but it's... If it's not being enforced, if it's not if it's not being checked, if it's not being enforced, and if the government kind of shies away from the big scary business threatening to do something in case they get fined, then it's it's yeah, it's no no point. No, and and you know when you're in a private business, you know it's about supply and demand, so you can often set costs way higher than they need to be because mm -hmm. you're making profit out of it. So things like healthcare, now that um, <clears throat> we're not employing people directly we're employing them through agencies they can set the costs up higher the people still aren't getting paid very much but they're making a profit out of it because good case in point is uh my aged care for instance so my aged care outsources all of their actual services so yep. things like home care um residential care um you know, a bunch of other things, allied health stuff, physio, what have you. Now, it's all outsourced through external agencies, so it's not provided by the government. Um, and so, you know, if you're a provider for home care, for instance, um, you charge your fees. You, you get a pa the package assigned to you from the government for a person. Yep. That person is given an individual package Okay, so they said according to their acuity how much money is in the package for their care, but it's up to the agency how that money actually gets distributed. Okay. So yeah. they they part of that is administration fees. So they will take money out of that package for administration, yeah. um, and then they decide how much their carers, for instance, are being are being paid. So the package gets charged a certain amount of money. But that doesn't mean the person who's actually delivering the care is actually being paid that money. Okay, okay yep. 
Right. So, for instance, um, community nurses, even though we're public, we can be um, contracted through agency. the through the agency to provide nursing care when someone's on a package. Yep. Um, and on the package, we're eighty dollars an hour, I think. So, if you go and if you if you're delivering community nursing care to someone who's on an aged care package. Um, the service is being paid $80 an hour for the care that you're providing. Yep. Now, of course, the nurse isn't getting paid that. No. You know, yep. that's not going to the nurse. That's 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 going to the system. Yes. And, you know, and it's like, well, hang on a second. But if you're if we're directly caring for somebody and they're not on a care package, they only have to pay $5 because it's subsidised by the government. So basically the package is getting their money back. The government's getting their money back uh, through yeah. the package. Yeah. It's... Uh, look, it, makes, it makes no sense. Indeed, and it means yeah. that there's less, but there's less money for other things. So like I had, a, I had a client, for instance, that went on a care package. She'd become blind and she went on a care package um, after waiting quite a long time for it. Um, and one of the things that she'd been doing before she got the care package was she was attending a day center every day and they were coming to get her. She would have a lovely day with other people. Um, she'd get fed, you know, and they would take her home again. And it was only costing her $5 each time she went for the day. But the package was charging her $50 a day once the package came in so she couldn't afford to go anymore because it was taking away the other care that she actually needed which she got the package for in the first place which was things like house cleaning and personal care and cooking and you know all those other things that she needed but she couldn't afford to go to the day center <laughs> that she'd been going to before with you know minimal cost so some she some of the ways that they're administered is just crazy she went backwards in terms of. She care. went backwards, yeah. She went backwards. So the the. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. So and it, and that's the thing. These 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 care packages shouldn't be a cost to the person who's getting them, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes they cost more, and yeah, they don't have a recourse either. <sighs> Yeah, it, it, kind, it kind of reminds me of, 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 of NDIS. It's, uh, it's oh, NDIS is the same. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's just ridiculous. And the amount of hoops that you have to jump through to get NDIS, as you're aware, yep. is just ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, I will say for my for my son who is on the autism spectrum, he, our experience hasn't been too bad. Like because I, I don't I don't want to uh, put anyone down by saying this, but I think because he has a, a, a less intense disability, that doesn't need like physical uh, items put in the home or anything like that. It is much more straight straightforward. Whereas if he had, some, whereas I'm afraid if he had some sort of physical disability where like he couldn't walk or if he, if he was deaf or you know like severe severely handicapped, then I think that's where the, the horror story the horror stories start. They they really do. I'm I'm going to plug a friend's podcast actually here. Please do. So so I have a I have a very dear friend called Sally Rose McShane who's a comedian, 
Um, and she does a podcast called Gin in a Mug. Ah, uh, yes, you mentioned that. Yes, sorry. Yeah. So, so Sally has a daughter with a self-limiting, uh, life-limiting condition. So she's got a genetic condition, um, and then on top of that, she's also contracted some another, um, condition. basically condition on top of that. Yeah. Um, and she's unfortunately, you know, not going to live very long. Yeah. But she's part of this is she's got quite quite a lot of disability. She sleeps almost 20 hours a day. She has to be um, pig fed through her stomach because she can't swallow. Yeah. She has trouble walking. She has trouble talking. Um, but she's a, an amazing kid, you know, amazing kid. Um, and Sally had to get um, up NDIS. And in one of her podcasts, she actually says that um, NDIS has caused her PTSD. Um, because of all the trauma that they put her through and all the stuff. Because every year you have to redo it yep, yep. as well. So it's not like it's a one-off thing and you just it's in place. It's like every year you have to do it and prove that, you're, you know, the person still has a disability they still <laughs> yeah, need yeah. all these things that they're going to need. I was going to say, right? last, year, last year we got lucky in that they automatically extended the like, – I know for my son anyway, they automatically extended his plan – because of all the complications with the COVID, yeah. So, so this time, yeah. so this year, they actually, um, I've got a uh, our NDIS rep has actually asked for a report to make sure that you know he still needs support, and they'll backdate it for two years or whatever to make sure it's all all lined up. It's yeah, it's yeah, and it, it's, and it's, it's quite controversial situation. But it's incredibly anxiety making yeah. too. Like you know, you put you're putting people through all this stuff where they're already having issues because they're having to provide care to their the loved person or themselves mm -hmm. and you're creating even more stress yep. by doing all of this stuff. In the past, it was never that difficult. Like I actually, you know, I remember being when I started nursing, you know, 20-odd years ago, um, if someone needed care, we would just refer them to care. Surprise. And it was like, it was simple. They would go out and do an assessment and give them care. And it's like, why yeah. is it so difficult now? They're making it more difficult than it needs to be because of the money thing. They're just trying to get the money back, I think. But <clears throat> Well, uh, the, the, the hard truth is, is that welfare in Australia is one of the highest costs. But they're making it cost more. That's the problem. <laughs> That's that's the thing. It's like it's like they complain about it, you know, costing so much. But that's because they're making all this extra work for themselves. Well, that's when it doesn't have to cost that much. Like, and that's that's where my my point with the outsourcing comes in. You know, things were a lot cheaper back in the good old days when everyone was employed by the same organisation and we made our own supplies and we cooked our own food for our own patients and didn't you know have it all delivered from another kitchen six miles away yeah, yes. and we employed our own cleaning staff and our own security and our, you know all those all these things that we did actually saved the organization money and yet we outsource everything now to cost cut and it costs us more and you don't get that same standard of service we don't get the standard either that's right we have no control over how people are trained um Yes, that's a 
Anyway, speaking of, speaking of having no control over how people are trained, uh, let's go over to Britain where our, our dear friend and punching bag Boris Johnson has finally seen the light. He's finally seen the writing on the wall and he's gone... I'm, well, I'm I, don't, I, don't, I, 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 I don't know. He didn't jump. I think he was pushed. But, yes, he's finally, he's finally resigned. Yes. Um, now, it's such I, a shame we don't have Phoebe with us because I know no. she would have quite a oh, she, would ha- she would have a field day, yes. But um, I kind of, pre- uh, not, not the one toot my own horn here, but I just had a, an inkling that after the confidence motion uh, in the parliamentary party that he won, he won relatively convincingly that the screws would still turn and he may, you know, the party w- would put pressure on him uh, in other ways for him to resign. Now, who... Who was it who actually, there were like half a dozen front bench ministers that resigned. So Rishi Sunak, who was the, who's yep. the checker. Uh, I think Ben Wallace, who was Ben the... Wallace. And I think Phoebe made a po- uh, point in our in our chat about, I, I said something about Rishi Sunak putting his hand up and how interesting it will be to have a brown prime minister. Ah, uh, yeah, yes. And, um, and Phoebe made the comment that she didn't think that was going to happen and it was probably going to be Ben Wallace. So yeah. I think he was, was he the health minister or something like that? Yeah, I think, or, or, or Secretary of State, actually. I'll quickly Secretary look it up of State. while uh, we uh, are yeah. chatting. But, um, yeah, then, like, a whole lot of, like, backbench MPs as well started resigning and, uh, yeah, it was all uh, uh, who who was after Ben? Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace yes. The British politician and, yeah, uh, he, he's Secretary, Secretary of State for Defence. That's right. So, so yeah, so so that that's all very interesting. I, yeah, I found it curious too that they just had that no confidence motion, mm-hmm. and then suddenly suddenly they're um, they turn around and do it anyway. And you're like, well, why didn't you just vote him out when you could? Why why yeah, go through all of this? Yeah, exactly. Why 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 faff about? Why faff about? You know? Yeah, yeah. But, I think um, I think maybe the nail in the coffin was all the party gate scandal. Well, no, well party game, but also, but uh, actually, no, I think what the actual uh, nail in the coffin was, there was a... It was a sexual his, harassment I think I think his name was Alex, Alex Pincher. I think the guy's name was Alex Pincher, who was uh, accused of sexually harassing men, uh, you know, in, in Parliament and, you know, outside, right. outside of Parliament. <laughs> and the big question was, what did uh, Boris Johnson claim he didn't know that this guy was under, you know, under investigation, or he he, he wasn't a, a sexual pest, but it turns out that he knew back, I think, back in two thousand nineteen that he was, you know, uh, yeah. Oh, Chris, sorry, Chris Pincher. So not Alex, Chris, Chris, Chris Pincher. Pincher. Yes. Yeah. So that that was that was interesting how they spun that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you you sort of wonder if they were like tr- waiting for all of that to come out. Well, maybe it was a deliberate strategy. Yeah, I don't quite, know. quite possible. If if Partygate didn't get him, then maybe uh, he got caught. Yeah, in pinch, pinch, um, yeah. I think that may, maybe they were taking a step back, waiting for it all to happen. Um, the other thing, the other thing that strikes me is that he hasn't actually stepped down. This is the thing. He he no, he has he, ha- he has the power. He has the power to stay in until there's a new leader, um, a new leader decided. Yeah. Whereas in Australia. This would have been all over and done with by now, <laughs> you know. Yeah, the, that's the, the true. Party yeah. would have called a spill, of, a spill of all positions, and then just gone straight to the party vote, you know. 
and then like someone comes out an hour and a half later and going, look, we have a new we have a new leader, therefore a new prime minister, and that is you know Malcolm Turnbull or you know, whoever. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. Um, I think I saw the leader of the Labor Party, leader of the opposition there, um, basically calling for an election, and said. You know why are you fart asking around? Let's just call an election and yeah, well, that you know. might be the. Uh... So yeah, it could that that could be heading for an election. So, um, I mean, it's just interesting that all of the, you know, the three the three top, you know, people Sco Sco Scomo Trump and and um and Johnson Bojo, um, all seem to be getting toppled. So we got two down, one to go. Yep. He's um, on his way out. But I suppose the, the the thing is that Bojo wasn't voted out. He was he he resigned himself, which is uh, well, sort of yeah, for democracy. He, he would have been pushed. He would have been voted out. Yeah, I reckon. True, true. But, but uh, so, let's say Phoebe shared something uh, in in our chat um, that kind of raises a bit of a chuckle, in that uh, former Prime Minister Tony Abbott says that Boris Johnson deserves Australia's gratitude. Oh, holy crap. <laughs> that just sounds like, like, if you didn't know, like, if you were given a headline, Boris Johnson deserves Australia's gratitude, and you didn't know that Tony Abbott said it, and you were asked to guess, hey, who, who, who said this? Mm, and you had, you, yeah. had, you had to put a list of names as to who would say Boris Johnson deserves Australia's gratitude. Tony Abbott would be at the top of that list of people you think would say something that just tin head, like, tin headed, you know, it's. Well, yeah, but you know, Tony Abbott's always had a close, close relationship with the UK too, because didn't he go to? I think he was, was born he a there. Rhodes Scholar. He was, yeah, he was, he was born, born there, there he but he's also Rhodes a Rhodes Scholar. Yep. Yeah, and I think he might have known Boris Johnson and back in the day. Back in the day, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was some sort of a personal, personal connection yep. there too. And, and and Boris Johnson made Tony Abbott the trade envoy. That's right. Yeah, for Australia. So there's all this this incestuous, uh, incestuous relationship. But one of the questions I do have, and this is a, where I'd love to have Phoebe, is that the idea of uh, Britain rejoining the EU. So given, <laughs> so given there was a big push for Brexit. That in, yeah. re in reality was all like a 55 45 vote, so it wasn't a consensus by any means. Like, yes, it was a popular decision, but it wasn't a consensus. Mm. And as we've seen, it hasn't quite worked out. So, I do, no. wonder, I do wonder if they go to an election and let's say the Labour Party gets in, or even a, a pro EU conservative PM gets elected, then. You know, I'd almost chuckle to myself if they if they wanted to come back into the EU, uh, yeah, just to make life back to normal again. Back from Brexit. Back from Brexit, because I don't know what back actual benefit. I don't know what actual benefit uh, Brexit has brought to Britain. There, well, very little, from what I can tell, and that's the thing is, I think that they were expecting a lot of things that just didn't happen and in fact things got worse mm -hmm. than that and you know they were expecting a lot of you know financial benefits and stuff that turned out to be the opposite yep. um especially in terms of um the fact that they've cut off their source of workers yes um, yep that's you know so that's been quite damaging and yeah then, then the whole island debacle as well because you've had northern ireland which is a separate country from ireland 
Yeah. And that Well yeah. and, and this is the other thing too. So um I one of my work colleagues who's um decided to go back actually um is from Scotland and we were talking about the fact that um you know, places like Scotland and Wales and um what was the other place that she mentioned? It was actually something one of the areas in England are all threatening to secede from the UK so that they can rejoin Europe. Um, so, yeah, so Scotland, Ireland. Isle of Man, um, possibly? No, it wasn't the Isle of Man. Oh, okay. It? Oh, it was, it was, it was a, an English area. It wasn't Sussex, but it was something like that anyway. Okay. Um, and and they've actually sort of basically so upset with how things have turned out with Brexit that they want to secede from the United Kingdom and and rejoin rejoin the European. Well, that's there. No, so, I think they I think they didn't quite like. It was one of those good idea at the time. But... No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was never a good idea. <laughs> it, like I, I I honestly had no. I was like, what are they thinking? Like, it's... Are they think, thinking? They're not thinking. But it was basically a racist thing. Really, when it boils down to it, it provided no benefit yeah. to I, anyone. I, I, I think the, the, only thing, the only thing was was that it gave England control over its borders. Which is, yeah. I, think, I think that's the only thing that Brexit really brought. But then, as you said... But they're a freaking island. So, you know, it's like, you know, I'm sorry. Well, there is a train that like connects from France that goes under under the water and goes up to yeah. Well, that, that's from you know, so it's not yeah. It's, it's very bizarre. Look, I just thought the whole thing was bizarre. But um, speaking of speaking of bizarre, uh, the Liberal Party have gone on the attack on Anthony Albanese for going a while during the floods. Yeah, I thought that was that was pretty short sighted of them. Tell me, and tell me was, more So, so basically, um. Yes, there's been massive flooding in New South Wales yes. over the last couple of weeks and um, it's all been pretty devastating. On well, the actually, I was going to say it's like the fourth major flood in the last few months because of... Ex the, yeah, exactly. It's Yeah, and some areas are being flooded for the second like Particularly Lismore, like around Lismore and yeah, towards, uh, yeah. towards Queensland. Basically from Queensland, from Queensland down to uh, the northern part of Sydney, it's uh, yeah, all a wash. That's right. It's all been devastated. Um, and so um, Al Anthony Albanese has been basically doing a lot of foreign diplomacy and trying to correct some of the fuck-ups that Albo's government made. Scomo. And, and, Scomo. and, and yeah, ScoMo's. Um, and um, trying to correct a lot of those and, you know, rebuilding bridges with France. And yes trying to get in good with the, the Chinese again and, um, you know, all that sort of stuff and doing a, you know, made-up job on it. Well, well done. And Penny, you know, Penny Wong's been doing it as well. Yeah, actually, just, as an aside, I did read um, where she went back to her familial hometown of mm. was in Malaysia. In and Malaysia. treated her like a rock star. Absolutely, yeah. So, and, 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 and this is one of the things that I always said that I knew that, she would be absolutely brilliant at this because, yeah, that's, you know, her credentials are impeccable, basically. Not, not, not just because of who she is genetically and historically, but... Oh, no, I just... She's, one just of the she's most an incredibly competent... Pe most competent politician. Regardless really. of party. I will say regardless, regardless of, of party. party. Oh, you yeah, know, she's, she's, she's up there. 
Um, you know, uh, it's a toss up between her and Julia Gillard. Um, but I reckon I reckon Penny, you know, would be an awesome prime minister. Yeah, that's. A... Um, so yeah, so um, doing a great job over there, and of course, you know, we're being hit by natural disasters left, right, and centre, and they're not going to stop, and they're not going to go away, and there's not a lot you can do about them. No, like you can't do anything about yeah, them. There's no off switch for a flood. There's no off switch for a flood, um, and it's not like he'd gone on holiday to Hawaii. And, and, and sent a text message to the opposition leader saying, I'm not, not going to be available for a week or so. Um, I'm just about to jump yeah, on the plane, Anthony. Yeah, just yeah, to, yeah, 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 no. And and so they'd made this this ridiculous assertion, oh, like, he's not here, he's not on the ground, he's not doing his job. And it's like, well, he is doing his job. He's just not doing his job right here. Um, and there's plenty of other comp very competent people in his government who are managing things very well. Um, but he was also in places where he couldn't necessarily um, be reached all the time because he was in secure, secure, you know, security meetings and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I just thought it was so bizarre. He's not in Hawaii having a holiday. He's actually doing the work that he was elected no, to But do. actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a, a link in the chat. This is from Sky News. Um, so kind of like the, the, the last people who would be standing up for Anthony Albanese, but, um, there's this news report that Sky News had put out where Anthony Albanese and the New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet actually visited the Hawkesbury region together, together yep. to together. actually, you know, like I could not imagine ScoMo doing that. This, no, this and, and that's the thing is like, he, um, Albo is very happy to, partner and work with whoever whoever is going to help. Yep. He doesn't he's not he's not one of these people that tries to he doesn't hold grudges and he he doesn't do the whole um I'm not going to cooperate with you because you didn't vote for me thing. It's yep. going to be about I'm going to cooperate with you because you are going to help the people that I also want to help. Well, you, well, you are the leader of those. Well, people. you are the leader of those people, and the and and I'm yeah. here to support you, even though you're not on my, my side team. of the government. Yeah. So you know, so Al Anthony Albanese's got his head screwed on mm -hmm. in in those senses. He's 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 you know not trying to set people up in opposition to each other. Um, the other interesting thing I saw too was an interview on ABC this morning. Um, about the response to COVID at the moment, and the government's releasing all the antivirals. Uh, yes. That, yep. Yeah. So the so the Liberal government had actually pre-ordered all of these antivirals, but they've been sitting in storage for months, and nothing had happened with them. Okay. So so the current government's like, well, we're having this massive surge in COVID cases, and you know, the whole point of having these antivirals was to treat people who were sick. So we're going to do that. A whole lot of people who are sick. Yeah, exactly. So they're releasing it. The first, I think the first release of it is going to be the most vulnerable. So tomorrow, I think tomorrow, I think they actually, yeah. yeah. I've read a brief headline somewhere saying tomorrow. Yeah. So, so people over the age of, I think it's 65 and, and over 50 if you're Aboriginal and if you've got um, a health condition or yeah. um, something that would predispose you to becoming more unwell. 
um, they'll release it to them as on on medical advice, which is fair enough. No, fair enough. Um, but, but you know, you're right. There's the whole thing of you know the Liberal Party criticising a leader who actually did visit the floods, yeah, with, with the Premier, and trying to compare that to going on holidays during a bushfire. Exactly, you know, and I, and and yeah. So he wasn't on holiday; he was working. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yes. And and the thing is that he's he's basically, um, since the, like literally the day he was sworn into office, he was on a plane to Japan to meet to with Japan. India, Japan, and America. And you like to try and repair all the damage that had been done by the Liberal government. You know, oh. he hasn't stopped. No. You know, and, and the, other, the other interesting thing, um, of course, was that he's not even moved into the lodge. He's decided that that's in Sydney and most of his work is based, he's already got a house in Sydney. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't need to move into the lodge and most of his work is based in Canberra. So he's just moved in to, you know, the, the residents in Canberra. Yes, yes. Um, and then... He's not, you know, so he's not taking up, you know, the, two, the public purse yeah. pretty much, yeah. So, um, you know, I thought that was really interesting, um, whereas, you know, most like, yeah, um, ScoMo, you know, he, he loved the lodge. He was there all the time. So I just I just find it really interesting. It's They're, they're very different. They're very much cut from different cloth aren't they yeah, they yeah. very different approaches to things and, and, I, and I will i will say that like when i was in singapore last week when i tell people there's a couple of times when like, i told people i'm a, like i'm clearly white i'm clearly not yeah. you know, the singaporean and when i tell people i'm australian they'll go oh hey congrats on the new prime minister and and this hey. is the this is the thing. It's that's the thing is Albanese is so much more popular overseas mm. than Morrison ever was, and yeah. and and it just makes you think what the external perception has been of Morrison because obviously he wasn't well regarded internationally, whereas Anthony Albanese is. And and this is what I was saying before too is like Anthony Albanese has been in politics for a very long it time. Has, yes. And he's been he's been a minister in previous Labor governments. He was always well received, um, and he had a reputation outside of Australia already, you know, from that, and was always well regarded. But he seemed to have sunk into obscurity a bit in Australia, and that was mostly to do with the Murdoch press. So you know, it's because they didn't like him, and they obviously wanted the Liberal government because they did more what they said. Um, Which is why so, I'm kind of surprised that Sky News actually ran this story of Albo and, and Dom together. Look, and that's true, but I also think too that there's been some interesting changes with Sky News and the Murdoch media because I think they've finally realised that the worm has turned and the worm is turning on them and okay. that there's that's a lot of there's a lot of people who are going you've misreported this you're biased we're not going to watch you anymore well especially when you consider that their most prominent figures are andrew bolt chris kenny rita panahi uh is it doug murray or well, paul Mike, paul murray yeah um there's another one as well a bit of who's a bit of a miscreant 
Um, actually, I will say Paul Murray's not too bad. I'll give time, time, time to end Paul Murray. The rest, yeah, not not. Well, and, well, and it was it was interesting because um, oh, I Peter was, Credlin, Peter Credlin's Peter the other Credlin. one. Peter Credlin, yeah, Peter Credlin. So it was interesting because I was reading uh, an article that was actually tweeted by my cousin, um, who does actually um, often Live on go. That side on, of the fence. Yes, so she does actually appear on Sky. She's in. She's in some sort of program called The Blame Game, which is like some sort of a media game show crap thing. Um, and she published, she put up an article about um, how they are actually trying to do a documentary about the ABC. Oh, yes, yes. Did that you John, see that? I, 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 it came to my attention because John Fain ran a he did an opinion piece in the age yes. where he rejected because chris kenny was going to be the host of it or yeah something. so so they they'd approached him and asked him if he would be interviewed for the documentary and it, yeah. evidently they've also um approached a number of other abc areas yeah. including um ida buttrose actually oh, yeah, yeah. um and they've all declined to be in the documentary because they're basically saying well it's going, anything to be a that they, it's going to be a hatchet job and it's you know um so they've all declined to be in it and um and it was quite funny because my cousin said something about oh you know the abc exists in its own echo chamber and i'm like oh i think you're actually looking at the wrong one there oh, I, I think i think they both exist in their in their own echo chamber. to to an extent they both exist in their own oh, in their... I, look i can't agree with you with the abc because the abc for me has always looked out for other angles and other opinions and invited people with disparate opinions to come and and talk whereas you know no sky news doesn't do that no. but um so yeah i i just thought it was interesting um but i mean the other thing of course that's happened and this is what happened after trump got voted out and biden came in and is how calm everything seems to be have you noticed that oh. there seems to be this 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 dearth of scandal and hype and shit's been happening but it's not shit that's generated by the leader in power well but um, in america the leader in power fell off his bike yeah but so we're, we're kind of laughing at him and all his teleprompter flubs and his you know yeah but it's but that's the thing it's not it's not like it's um it's sort of it's a lot calmer than it was with Trump, and he's not biting. Yeah, that's. You, do you know what I mean? So he's not he's not the one that's putting it all out there. Whereas Trump was putting it all out there. Biden's just sort of going, "Okay, this happened. We'll deal with it." Yep. Yes. We'll yes, deal so with it in a calm and rational manner. But this is this is Trump's thing: is that he he he's an excitement machine. He knows how to rile the media up to get those kind of reactions well th but, that's like, exactly as, my as, point as, and, by, as, and biden's as quite the opposite oh, yes my dog going off at a dog that's all right hear my my doggy barking okay, okay. yes that's, that's yeah. they'll, be, they'll be on the recording but yeah, as i say like as bad as trump was as president and as a politician his thing was massaging the media to get that to generate the outrage that was well, and that's precisely my point. He was deliberately getting reactions, whereas Biden is just reacting to what's going on around yes, yes. and not actually trying to set anyone off himself. So, and 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 
you know, like he's made some really impressive speeches recently. So, you know, in relation to the, the, the shooting and he's actually talked about who yep. need to do something about guns. Um, in relation to the Roe versus Wade abortion thing, he's actually put in place some measures so that... Uh, an executive uh, order. There was an executive order that he... Uh... So you can't prevent people from crossing the, the border to access health care um, from one state to another. So, and, you know, so he's, you know, he's actually made some fairly rational um, decisions in response to something that he can't control himself because he's got no, you know jurisdiction over the supreme court that's sort of part of the reason why you know trump was trying to control it by putting his own people in it um so um that's you know that's that's but it's just the 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 whole feeling about it is a lot more optimistic people are a lot more optimistic about well as far as the economy and the supreme court makeup will allow anyway yeah, exactly right. Um, and of course, and that's, I think we're getting that here in Australia as well. Things that just seem to be everyone's side in relief and sat back. Yes. Yeah. Oh, finally, we've we, got we have some, an adult in, in charge. We have an adult in charge. Um, <laughs> yep. And I have the feeling that the same thing will happen in the UK now that Boris has um, done his dash or will be doing his dash. Yes. You well, know? he's done his dash, so they're going to find someone to replace him. To Yeah, to and especially dash. if they do have a, an election, I've got no doubt that they will probably vote in a Labor government. Yeah, that's... Um, and then we just have the, the three the three amigos will be left-leaning... Different amigos. Different amigos, you know, Democratic Labor amigos. Yeah, there you go. So, so, soft left right amigos. Soft left amigos. Right-wing conservative amigos. <laughs> yeah, well, that's... Uh, the, 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 media, the, the media landscape won't quite be as fun. No. Quite be as fun, oh, I don't know. I think I think it, I think we've got enough problems to contend with um, without having them as well. But okay. I mean, I, I've been liking to some of the comments by other foreign leaders about what's been happening here and in the UK, and um, Macron especially talking about his relationship with Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, having improved out of sight now, Albanese. What a surprise. Out. What a surprise. And one last talking point before we, uh, we do get back to our normal lives is the uh, results of the census have come out and it seems that Christianity has declined in Australia. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think from just reading from the numbers here, uh, the number of people who identify as Christian has dropped from 52% down to 44%. Yep. Which Look, is... It- I, it, 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 the whole thing with the census was interesting because I'm in a couple of groups on Facebook. So I'm, I'm normally I'm with the um, Secular Australia Party. Okay, yep. Um, but I'm also on a couple of other uh, Australia, uh, humanist. Australia. Yep. Yeah, I'm on a, I'm in a humanist humanist group too, Australian humanist Okay, but group. I think there's also Australian atheists and that might be where I'm meeting. Yeah, and Australian atheists, yeah. Um, and so they'd been pushing a lot for the census for people to actually say that they were they had no religion rather than putting down the religion of their birth. So if you don't believe, put down no religion. But they're also telling people not to put down atheist okay. because it was it was actually confusing some of the results um, from previous ones. But it's just really interesting because. My experience as a nurse, who like we always ask people 
what religion they are or if they have a religion. And it's always been really interesting to me that a lot of the population here in Tasmania identify themselves as Anglican or Church of England. Yeah. Um, And so you ask them what, you know, are you religious, what religion do you follow? And they go, oh, I'm not religious, but I'm Church of England. <laughs> yes, which is a very... Okay, religious. so, it, but it's it's a cultural thing yes, as well. People yes. people just identify that my parents were, were Church of England. Yep. I don't go to church. I don't well, really I believe in God, but I still think of myself as being... Anglican or, of, yeah. And, yeah, exactly, Anglican or Catholic or whatever it is. So, so you know... I think there were a lot more people who weren't religious or who were atheists who just automatically put down whatever faith that they were brought up in or that their parents were because that's what you did, you know. Um, So I think probably the recent census, the fact that people have actually been alerting their population going, it's actually really important that you put down what you actually believe because all of these things are geared on the basis of the census to target those populations to provide services. So if we've got people who are basically saying, well, I'm not religious, I don't follow a religion, I don't go to church, then you're actually letting the government know, well, we probably need to be focusing on different areas and not putting so much money into religious organisations and schools and things like that, you know, um, and make it a bit more equitable for everybody else. Indeed, indeed. That's uh, yeah. Well, look, uh, next census will be in 2026. Inciting. So we'll see if, uh, see if it will, will, very interesting to see the religious landscape then. But uh, what's on for the rest of the day, Clancy? Um, well, I was meant to be having a lunch date, but... Um, that's not happening. So I'm not sure. I have to go shopping. I have no food. So I need to go shopping. Now I have a working phone um, and access to my banking. Um, I need to go buy some food. So um, and then I'll probably, yeah, veg out and watch some Netflix or something. Some uh, insiders. (laughs) Some 7.30 reports, some Australian story. Yeah, work, work out how to put my interview with Rodney Croom in the Dropbox. Oh, hey, there, there, there's an idea. Technology. That'll probably take me all day. Get, get <laughs> every time. Cool. Whereas I will be looking after my wife and son who still have oh, COVID. How are they doing? Um, my wife is on the upswing of it, so she's uh, yeah. Yeah, she's not feeling too bad. And my son still has a bit of a scratchy throat. And yeah, when, when it gets really cold at night, he does. So he does struggle to breathe a little bit. So the asthma puffer comes. Oh uh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and my daughter, um, my daughter is staying at my in-laws' place. Ah, well, so 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 good hint. When you've got um, any sort of a respiratory infection and you're asthmatic and you need to use the puffer, um, a hot shower first, and then the puffer is really good. Okay. Because it just loosens the congestion. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, so a hot share and some Vicks and stuff and, and a puffer. Because I, I remember my parents, uh, they would get like the, the, the bowl of boiling water and shove my head over it with the towel. And, uh, oh, yeah, still do that. Yeah, even though it is eminently uncomfortable. Yeah, well, you know, there are other ways to do it now, but a hot, a hot shower is good and like you can even, you know, put a bit of tiger, tiger balm in the yeah. shower and 
and it does the same thing essentially. Um, clears the sinuses out, and then you use your puffer after that, and that um, oh, well, usually works better. This has been health advice with Clancy. You know, well, I should do my own podcast, really. Yeah, yeah. Cl- Clancy's messed up life. Health advice with Clancy. <laughs> Clancy, <laughs> Clancy loves Julia. <laughs> we could, we could be, we'd be here for ages. Anyway, Clancy, thanks for chatting. I'll thanks, catch Damien. you in the next, uh, next fortnight, and hopefully Phoebe will be awake. I, I hope she's all right. Maybe she's got COVID. She's the last of us. She didn't have COVID. Hello, my name is Damien, one of the uh, apparently lovely hugger hoodie co-hosts of Let's Save the Governor General. Uh, let Guess who's woken up? It's Queen of the Sauna, Phoebe. Yay! Hello! Yay. Has she just woken up or has she not gone to bed yet? I've done that thing where you don't do the sleep. Because oh, okay. I have decided Because I've decided that, you know, I wasn't going to take the really strong medication that sends me to sleep. So I take that after this episode and then that will send me to sleep. There's an idea. There's an idea. Because, um, uh, yeah, because last recording we did, um, someone didn't wake up. Yes, but I have also said that you should just ring me. You know, you have this 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 amazing device that's powered by you know called a telephone that Alexander Graham Bell (laughs) invented. These telephonic devices. You could become. You could go from hugger hoodie to Mister Moto. Whoa! There's a there's a and always reliable is is Clancy. Hello, hello, lovely Clancy. Good. Good morning, lovely Damien. Lovely. So we're all love- we're all I've only today. just got up myself, mind you. I've oh, been, okay. I have been to bed. Have you had, um, your, have you had uh, your coffee? I, I have my coffee. I have my coffee. Okay, I've had Mandatory morning medication. <laughs> yes, actually, that reminds me I've got you have my, a nice uh, cup of Darjeeling, you see. I've got a nice, okay. decent cup of Darjeeling tea here. I don't mind a nice She, she could have had the Earl Grey, the English breakfast, the, yeah. Or English tea number one. Or the chamomile. Or the... I could have had English tea number one, English breakfast, Earl Grey or Darjeeling. What is English tea number well, one? And what is, like, is there a number two? Is there a number three? Is there a... There is a number two and there is a number three and there is a number four. Oh, They're different strengths of tea. Oh, okay. And you've gone, uh-huh. for, the, you've gone for the strongest? No, I've gone for a, a full-flavoured black tea with a moderate strength. Yes, uh, is, is Queen... this, I'll be impressed if anyone gets this reference. This is a this is a pop culture reference from a political television show. It's Bartlett. Bartlett 1998 on it. So if you get that reference, I'll be very impressed. No, sorry. Got no idea. Did you ever watch the TV show The West Wing? No. Oh yes. I've I've only watched a couple of episodes, but yes. But now it's you really rather good actually. It is pretty possible. It is rather but yeah, so aren't we here to talk about stuff? I, I, I'm surprised the... you don't have a Cleaver Green Cup. Well, I do actually. I just haven't shown it on stream. Oh, yes, it's a show, show us on stream, like the other things you show us on stream. But anyway. I'll show you other things on stream. I'm wearing shorts today, so there is no possibility of oh. other things happening. Looks oh, like okay. Well, I, shorts. Just... A pair of shorts. Oh, that's a... I do, I, I do understand that it's rather warm in your part of the world yes, at the moment. Ha- hey, I'm usually Phoebes, so. How's the weather? Forty degrees, which is balmy. Balmy, Absolutely balmy. 
They don't call us the Barmy Army for nothing. Barmy, B-A-R-M-Y or B-A-L-M-Y. A bit of both, if you like. Love. Yeah, a bit of both, yeah. Marmy but no, um, this is unseasonably uh, warm. Not just unseasonably warm, but it's unseasonably high. I mean, temperatures peaked at their highest ever recorded temperature mm-hmm. in the UK at Heathrow Airport at 43 degrees. Wow. That's, that's... crazy. Luton Airport had to close at one point because the tarmac was starting to melt. Wow. And I did hear that the uh, the rail network ex- expanded by nine kilometres over the week as well. Oh, really? Well, because yeah, uh, did. apparently... Rails England expand. Ha- yes, rails expand. Yeah. And, and when you have like 300,000 kilometres of a rail network and you yeah. get like a, a, like a half a percent of yeah. expansion due to uh, metal, you, you know... Do, yes. Expanding, they they calculated that the the rail network had expanded by nine kilometers uh, over the course yeah. of the week. But it's, there was also this really scary moment at Norwood Junction in South London where rail exploded. A what? Sorry, <gasps> a rail exploded. Rail exploded. Oh wow! It got so hot Jeez. that the actual stuff inside it, it actually exploded all the electrics inside of it. And it was like... Oh, okay, the electrics. That's right, because you have the electrics running through the rail, don't you? We have third we don't rail, have that yeah. here. Well, we, we have didn't third rail. used to. We do now. Well, you, but have, we, you, we, have yeah. you have steam. You have steam. That's a, the third rail. That would be a good a good name for a podcast. Do, 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 do. No, no, no. What you want is a London Underground podcast called The Fourth Rail because London Underground runs on four rails. Um, we, we, we can be the fifth fifth. It has, it has two running tracks, an up current and a down current. Whereas the third rail, the up and down current share the same. Ooh. We could have an underground podcast called Derail. <laughs> you could have an underground podcast called Door Property today. Ah, yes. Okay. You do it like you're underground. Heatwave melts runway at Luton Airport and hundreds of trains wow. cancelled. Yep. There was also military flights were being cancelled as well. Oh, no. Um, the military that. exercises were cancelled on Salisbury Plain as well. It was absolutely round the bend in this country because we're not built as a country like Australia is for this. So we're more built for, you know, like temperatures between Hello. a nice range of, between like a nice range of like 28 at the very top end. And about minus eight, minus ten at the bottom end. So Tasmania. We're not basically. used. And we're not used to these extremities. Whereas I understand that you know thirties and thirty fives are temperatures that you Aussies you know you you laugh in the face of. Uh, most of the time, yes. Pretty as, much. As you get older, though, it does get a bit more. Uh, yeah, a bit more hard to bear. Even in Tassie, we do get those sorts of temperatures. So I think the first. The first few months, so uh, first year I was in Taddy, they had the big bushfires in Victoria. So what was that 2008, end of, two, uh, end of two, 2008, two, beginning of 2009? Yes, yeah. And it got up to 44 degrees where I was living. Yeah. And wow, then the following have... year it got that high and I, all my candles melted. Oh, oh no. Oh no. But, I mean, speaking of fires, we did actually have very scary fires happen in, like, Europe as well. Moreland. I got. saw that, yeah. And Spain and, and France. St- and 
in South London, there was parts of a village were actually destroyed, the village of Kennington. I think it was Kennington. I can't remember the actual name of the town or village, but no, it was like really quite serious amounts of fire. Have so how's like the a, UK feeling about climate change now? Uh, we've always felt a bit shit about it because we could lose the Gulf Stream. So we've always been a bit worried about it. Yeah. So if we lose the Gulf Stream, we're going to freeze quite quickly because we would lose our nice temperate climate and we've always been a bit nice. worried about that. It has been one of these things where people have gone, well, we didn't think it was a genuine thing until this happened. And then a man named Bojo turned up and then no one paid any attention to it. And now Bojo's buggered off. And people are so this is the Bojo legacy. The Bojo legacy. It is. But the question is, is Bojo going to be replaced by the batshit or the billionaire? That's the question. Well, this is and this is uh, one reason why you uh, regret not turning up last week was because, well, last last recording was because uh, at the time of our last recording, Bojo had just uh, announced his resignation. Well, Bojo's buggering off and backside belting back to, out of Downing Back to Street. Brighton. Back to Brighton, wherever or. No, 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 no. Beaulieu House. Uh, well, here's the MP for Uxbridge and South Ryslip, I have you know, having oh. previously been the Member of Parliament for Henley-on-Thames before that. So he was the MP for Henley-on-Thames, then he became Mayor of London, then he became the MP for Uxbridge and South Ryslip. You couldn't, couldn't I, get loved, more... I, love, I love the English denominations. You could not get any more <laughs> yeah. English toff if you tried. He well, he did go. He he is an Oxford graduate, and he did spend time living in Stow on the World. Okay. So, so he's not going to turn up to the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, he'll be he'll be there. Oh, okay, he's still in office until the until does, the end of does September. He, does he deign to go to Birmingham? Let's put it this way: he could go to Birmingham, whether he leaves to get it's another matter altogether. Oh, okay, okay. That's uh, <laughs> actually uh, just on your weather-related issues. Uh, England isn't really an air conditioning country. Like, how many pl how many places in England are built with air conditioning as standard? None. So None. that's that's probably one of the biggest difference, differences between Australia and and the UK is that in Australia, almost every house has aircon of some it, at least one aircon of some sort. Sometimes even like a, a built-in one and a portable one uh, somewhere else, but. You have to realise that England isn't uh, England isn't used to these Here's high another, temperatures. Here's question. question: How many of your houses are built with cavity wall insulation as standard? Not not many. that many, actually. Not. See, that's standard in the UK. Okay, so loft you're used insulation. to we're used to being hot. You're used to being cold. What about loft insulation? Uh, sometimes the in loft insulation is standard. <laughs> cavity wall well, insulation it... standard. It is now when you build new houses, but yeah. um, so it's part it's part of the standards. Like that, I don't know if you remember this, Phoebe, but back in the Rudd era, era there was a, a, a massive debate about the pink bats. Oh yes, the, the pink bats. Was, the pink bats. Do you remember the pink bats? I do remember that? Yeah, <laughs> of course I do, because it was one of those. I remember the first hearing about it when I was watching a satirical television show called "Have I Got News for You," and they were taking the piss. Yeah, yeah. So there was there was there was a big push to try and make um, Australian homes more energy efficient, and so they were subsidising uh, the installation of insulation, 
and that was the big bad Say that three weird. times fast. <laughs> Insulation, yeah. Very alliterative. The installation Can- of insulation. The installation of insulation. So, yeah, so there was that big, uh, um, and because they were using um, people that weren't properly qualified to uh, install it and someone died. Uh, I think, so there I was think multiple people died. No, multiple, it was, multiple, it was there more, were multiple deaths. Yes. It was more that um, the scheme was open to anyone who was able to fuddle their way through the paperwork. And it just so happened that the people people were more adept at doing the paperwork than they were at actually installing the pink bats um, without realising yeah. that downlighting and insulation don't go together. No, that's right. So yeah, and so I that think, was. I think that I, I, all I can all I can remember is that Northern Territory Fire Department got more calls than it was normally used mm. to getting. Shall we say? Yeah, but as a, as a result of that though, there is there is um, regulations and standards about insulating homes, modern homes now that have been built since then. But a lot of the old homes that were built before that aren't necessarily. Um, you know, fall within that. Like mine is definitely not insulated properly. I need to get new insulation put in under my floors yeah. and all that sort of thing. Same here, same here. Yep. But I don't. So even though I live in Tassie, I've not I've not got any built-in heating apart from a wood fire heater in my lounge room. So my house oh. gets incredibly cold. Um, the, look, I'm, I'm going to. I don't my have any around. air conditioning. Bring my camera around. Oh, I have. Sakes. Well, I do have nice legs, yes. But I also you have, have a, a installed <laughs> a electric heater there. Yeah. Just installed a gas yeah. heater, gas-fired heater. So when the boiler comes on, it comes on. Okay, so we, I don't have a boiler. I don't have underfloor yeah, heating have... or any of those sorts of things. Where I lived in Sydney, it was really interesting because, as Damien says, most of the houses sort of north of, you know, where Damien lives, are built with the heat in mind. So yes. they're often not, they're not actually built for coal, they're, they're built for heat. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was interesting when I first came to Tassie, people used to talk about the heat pump. Oh, have you put your heat the pump on? What? Yeah, okay, so this was the thing. So I had this thing on my wall and everyone used to refer to it as the heat pump and I'm like, that's an air conditioner. <laughs> Because in the north, we use them for cooling our homes. But here in Tassie, they use them for heating the home. So it's a reverse cycle air conditioner. So you can use it for both. Um, and that seems to be a standard fitting in most modern Tasmanian homes if they don't have other things. Interesting. So, um, but they call them heat pumps in Tasmania, whereas everywhere else in Australia, they're called air conditioners. Well, speaking of heat pumps, uh, Phoebe, would you like to discuss more about Bojo, uh, why he left, uh, the machinations behind his replacement, and who you think will replace him? So why did Boris Johnson finally, finally fucking leave? (laughs) Because (laughs) Because. you couldn't make this up. You couldn't make this up. There was a sexual assault scandal where a member of Parliament with a picture. he had promoted to being a whip in Parliament had allegations made against him by other men that he was a sexually inappropriate towards him. 
Yes. His name, as Damien is alluding to, was Christopher Pincher. Actual yes. name. And Boris Johnson held out and held out and held out and held out and held out sacking him for a very long time. Yeah. Whereas he'd been very gung-ho in sacking MPs he didn't like. No, you missed this vote. Whip removed. Yeah, no, yeah. get out. Get out. Michael Gove, you're sacked. You you said this, that, and the other. And if, yeah. I, if I remember correctly, these allegations have gone back at least five, ten years. And then Boris Johnson promoted him and said, I, I, I forgot. I wasn't told this. And then he said, well, they slipped my mind. And then a civil servant stood up and went, look, mate, here's the memo that said, don't hire this man. Yes. <laughs> so so, so my... Bojo was actually officially informed by memo that this guy yeah. does have some clouds over him. Yeah. And then his... Uh, health secretary resigned and then yes. his chancellor resigned yep and then a whole slew of people went bye now bye now bye now bye now bye now and yep. he couldn't find people to replace him so by the end of it i think it was 61 members of the government had resigned and there's only a, and there's only about 130 members of the government in the uk mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So 61 had resigned, including his ethics chief. Ah. When, when, so the, my... when, when the ethics chief for Boris Johnson resigns, you know shit's gone backwards. Jeez. Yeah, so Boris Johnson's ethics chief said, look, this is, this is unsustainable, mate. <laughs> <laughs> my local well, my, MP... My, my question about all of that, though, was they'd only just had the no confidence vote a few weeks back. So why didn't they just vote him out then? Why did they have to do it this way? the Chris Pincher thing hadn't exploded like it did. Oh, okay. It sounded like it was already rough. But here's the thing that gets me. My MP went on Sky News UK, which is slightly different to Sky News Australia. It's so much more centrist in the UK. And went... Because he just sacked his community's local government and levelling up secretary. And his name was Michael Gove. And my MP went on there and went, well, Michael Gove walked in to tell Boris Johnson it's time to resign and handed him a bottle of whiskey and a revolver. And it appears that the Prime Minister has downed the whiskey, picked up the gun and shot the man who bought them it, <laughs> bought it it. Instead of turning oh it on himself, it's like, and you know that it's all gone wrong because he started to outgrow himself. And everyone else going, look, mate, it's time to resign. And the guy who did that, you then sack him. That had all gone absolutely round the bend. And so, then so basically, Boris, Boris was ousted due to the sins of another, not his own. And his own sins. Well, because he didn't resign over he didn't resign over party gate. No. He didn't resign over misleading the house. Mm. And he, so on and so on. He didn't resign he, over the pepper pig speech. <laughs> which was absolutely absurd. <laughs> We're here today in Pepper uh, Pig. Oh, no, no, world. You, you know he said I suggest you go to Pepper Pig World because um the British public service would never make something as imaginative as, as that. Oh, it's mad. That's hilarious. Oh, it was bonkers. But, but anyway. then, we had, then we had the whole slew of people coming in to replace him. And these were 
a load of crackpots. I'm genuinely on about these were some of the most right wing. Actually, Phoebe, Phoebe, just just to can I pause you there for a sec? One of the things that kind of strikes me is how in Australia, when the leader says they've resigned, they immediately have a vote to determine the replacement, and that is done by the parliamentary party. But my understanding is that in uh, in the Tories, you have to have a uh, a rank and file vote for that. Yes, absolutely. It has to have for its rank and file vote unless there's one candidate. Okay. The last time there was only one candidate was when Theresa May went, hello there. Hello. How you doing? Dave is gone. Good old Dave Cam is gone. And <laughs> I'm Theresa. And I've pushed out uh, a woman named Andrea because she was all really rude about me not having children. <laughs> and then she resigned. Cool. So anyway, so you had a field of about five rank and file vote after the parliamentary parties whittled it down to two. Yes. But they don't use anything sensible like, you know, alternative voting here. They have separate uh, first-past-the-post elimination style. So the first one had seven people on the ballot with a minimum quota of getting 30 votes. So if you didn't get 30 votes, you got chucked off the ballot. And if yeah. everybody got over 30 votes, then the lowest person. And that went on for days. So there was like one a day. <laughs> and Parliament only meets four days a week, so they only do four in a week. And then they had like the weekend off, but then they came back the week after and did another couple. And then they got down to two. But some of these candidates were genuinely round the loony bin right wing. I mean, these are the kind of people that make Pauline Hanson and Clive Palmer look sensible. Such as, that, such as? Such as um, uh, Suella Braverman, mm-hmm. who is of um, Asian descent, saying that we should tear up the Human Rights Act. Nice. And we should uh, definitely deport more immigrants from this country. Classy. Deport them. Yeah, deport immigrants. And somebody pointed out to her, that would have meant your parents getting deported. <laughs> they always seem to forget that. This is the level of ludicrousness that we're dealing with. And we had another one uh, called, uh, what was her, what was their name? I can't what she means is non-white non, uh, immigrants. No, 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 no. She was of Asian descent, so it would have meant her oh. own parents getting deported. Wow. If they had okay. turned up under her policies. If they had turned up under her policies, her own parents would have been told get out. And we had another candidate that said we should withdraw from the European Convention on Human Rights. Completely withdraw from it. Okay, as, as you do, yes, because that's... Uh, and we had another candidate that said that we should uh, we should consider withdrawing as much as possible from the United Nations because it just gets in the way. Where have heard that? Where have heard that before? I've heard that uh, yeah. numerous times. And it was this whole slew of nonsense policies. And then you have these trying to look as tough as possible, trying to support things like deporting immigrants to Rwanda. Was actual government policy in this country, and then eventually these whack job and lunatic candidates all got whittled down to the least whack jobby <laughs> lunatic candidates, which has left us with the wackadoo, a woman named Liz Truss. Ah, uh, yes, Liz, yes, who's quite happily in bed with people like the Heritage Foundation and the billionaire 
who has problems with his wife's tax status Rishi and he Sunak. has a US green card. Nice. So that, that's Rishi Sunak, who was the that's Rishi Sunak, yeah. Chancellor of the Exchequer, which is the, yes. the treasurer in, in Australian lingo. So who do, who do you think might get in then, Phoebe? Because I know we had a discussion offline the about wackadoo. this. My... The who? wackadoo. Liz the wackadoo. Ah, oh, Liz Truss. The wackadoo is more likely to win because the Tory party membership are a little bit racist. Just a little bit. So they're, they're more racist than they are sexist. Oh, absolutely. They've, they've, they've had women run the... They've had before. Margaret. And, and, and Teresa. They've had Teresa. And Teresa, that's true. But they've not had somebody who isn't white run the party yet. They are a little bit racist, you see. Just a little bit. Well, to, to, quote, to quote Theresa May, when, when people ask what the Tories have done for women, you can just reply that they keep making us Prime Minister. <laughs> that's a good point. That is a good it one. It is. But the Tory party here are just a little bit racist. Well... Which is why Rishi Sunak was Chancellor of the Exchequer because the Tories are racist. Not very racist, just a bit racist. You can have him do, you know, the sidekick job, but not the actual top job. Okay, that's. Have them do the underling jobs, but you know, the top job has to go to. You know... I, I would say that the Chancellor of the Exchequer is quite a quite an important job. Yeah, quite yes. important, oh, right. but high, only, high paid job. But you're only, but you're, but you're only second the first lord of the strings. treasury. But you're only second lord of the treasury. First lord of the treasury is the prime minister, and the prime minister can just announce whatever spending he likes. As was famously done with Gordon Brown and Tony Blair once, when Tony Blair went on Sunday morning television and announced some tax rise, and then got <laughs> back into Downing Street and was confronted by Gordon Brown saying, you just stole my effing budget, you see you next Tuesday. Oh, well, that's a... And then slammed his fist on the table and threw something at him. And given Gordon Brown is uh, is legally blind, um, I hope that he, he had good aim. That's all, yes, all, all I can say there. People realise that, that Gordon Brown is legally prohibited from holding a driving licence in the UK because he is immediately classified as blind. You also get to blind oh, really? production on a television licence. Yes, that is. Uh, Gordon Brown is actually legally blind. So that's... Yes, he, he had, uh, he's got uh, one eye he can't see out of at all, and the other eye only got like 40% vision, which is why when you would see him, he would write in large black felt pens so that oh, he could actually not, read what he was writing. Not crayons. Okay, that's, uh, that's uh, no, Bojo had the crayons. Bojo had the crayons and he shared his crayons with Scott. <laughs> okay. <laughs> actually, speak, speaking of Scott, uh, this is something I didn't put in my talking <clears throat> points, but last Sunday, uh, Scott Morrison gave a 45-minute sermon in Margaret Court's church. Yeah, it's about how not to trust the government. Well, I, I've actually listened to the whole thing because I'm actually planning on doing a, a discussing it for my own uh, my own podcast. And yeah, it is it is very much an evangelical Pentecostal pep rally. Um, but he did uh, say that, you know, we we don't trust in governments. We don't trust, we especially don't trust the UN. It, it, that, was only, that, that part's only like a minute and a half. Was he and, running for the Tory party leadership? Not that I know of. No, no. He was, uh, he was more trying to, uh, he was more trying to say, God is in control, guys. Don't get, you know, yeah, don't, don't worry about shit. It's just, you know, don't be anxious. God is a, 
Yeah, God, God's in control of everything. Yeah, don't don't worry. Something very Jehovah's Witnessy with with this. Don't trust government. Government is well. That's uh, you, you, you never know. But I think the the more the most controversial thing is is that it was at the Church of Margaret Court, who is uh, somewhat against people who are not heterosexual, or uh, of binary or, or a binary gender. And yes, and does she like, still have that arena named after her? She still does, yes. Yeah, because she's because she's a champion tennis player, and you can't take that away from her. She is <laughs> what she did for Australian sport is, uh, you know, quite worthy of. of what being, she's being doing war- for the reputation of Australian sport, uh, though, uh, not much. Man, so. she, that's, that's... she knows she knows how to swing a racket and hit a ball, basically. Or oh, no, she did when she was like fifty years younger. Now she's a bit, yeah. But well, she I, still knows how to do it. She's just not as good at it. No, true. But the other controversial thing is, is that last Sunday, the Victory Life Church in Perth, which is Margaret Court's church, also opened up what's called a prayer tower. So they, they extended the building and made this big flashy tower called the, I think like the World Prayer Tower or something, which Scott Morrison was there to, oh. I suppose, commission or dedicate or... Or whatever, officially and also open. officially open. Yes, it also happened to be the twenty seventh birthday of the VLC. So there was all this confluence of, of of things. But I think the thing is, why is Scott Morrison at Margaret Court's church? That that is a very good question. That's it does kind feel of... very. Oh. And you also have, you, what you also have to remember was that during Scott Morrison's tenure as Prime Minister, Margaret Court got an, an Order of Australia award at, at, no. the Austra- at the Australia Day Awards. And that caused some controversy as to why the fuck is Margaret Court <clears throat> getting an Order of Australia when she hates anyone who, you know, isn't heterosexual. Well, then, then you also look at all the things that um, the Morrison government tried to implement um, under a different lens as well in terms bills. of the religious, yes, discrim- the religious discrimination bill and yep. his support of Catherine Deves. Yes. And that went well for Catherine Deves at the election, didn't it? Who really no. well for <coughs> I, the, the people yeah. have spoken. The people <clears throat> have spoken. So, yes, yeah, so Sorry, I've... Stegall. Yes, yes, yes. But no, so I did listen to the whole the whole sermon, and it wouldn't be out of place in a typical in a typical Pentecostal church. You know, it's yeah. There's some weird things he said, and but it's so uh, yeah. Was it, it? Here's a question for you: Was it Pentecostally sound? Shall we say? Uh, Sorry, my dogs are going off. Dogs are going off. Um, so, it, it was very. It was Count very. Me down. I'll ask the question again. Yes. Have your dog settled down, Clance? Okay, this is time for a sponsors ad, but we don't have any sponsors, do we? No, we this don't. This podcast is brought to you by the friendly atheist Dan. The tall friendly atheist. Transition day. stories. Transition stories. Tall yes. friendly atheist and transition stories. Both Go. podcasts you can find on the YouTubes and on Anchor, where you can also find this podcast. Indeed. So if you're driving in the car, if you're looking after <laughs> the kids, if you're going for a walk, you've got all these all this amazing content. You can uh, yes. get your get your head around. And you can also and, listen to and Clancy's dogs barking at birds. Okay, can we back in? <laughs> 
Are the are the birds a threat? Uh well, my dog seems to think so. Okay, all right. Well, it's it's, it's good. It's a uh, he's protecting you. <laughs> count me back in. Okay, three, two, one, go, Phoebes. So, would you say that what he was saying was Pentecostally sound? Uh, yes, but in a very dishwater weak kind of uh, non-offensive way. So it wasn't like firebrand Pentecostal. It was no, no, like, no. It wasn't. It wasn't like get like the pit- soda water. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like get the pitchforks and we need to like you know stab people who aren't you know the same gender they were born as, or you know who enjoy the sexual preference of activities of the same. Yeah, people, was, yeah, exactly. It was just more, you know. Um, one of the surprising things though was that he did uh, talk about mental health and he did actually kind of say that you know people do have genuine problems that we need to genuinely look after. So you didn't say that, you know, mental health issues are caused by Satan and demons and all that kind of stuff as other Pentecostal Scott Morrison, (laughs) as other Pentecostal preachers have, have said, um, but no, so Scotty didn't go there and I'm, I'm glad that he didn't. Uh, but yeah, it said he's, 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 it was more of a pep talk rather than a, you know, a sermon to inspire the masses. So, so some of that sensitivity training he uh, he engaged in paid off somewhere. Yeah, yes, finally after he left office. After he left office. After he left office, yes, he. Uh, <laughs> so, so that was that was that, and so yeah. In some time later, I will uh, go through and write some notes and. Uh, oh, yes. yes. Speaking of sensitivities, the ABC is ninety. ABC broadcasting. Uh, Auntie, Auntie is ninety. They're almost as old as the Queen. <laughs> yes, the Queen is older than the ABC. I know. Oh, mind blowing. I know. That's, that's bonkers, that is. But yes, 90 years old. So Cla- Clancy, at, party. Yeah, so Clancy, as the resident ABC uh, ABC lover of, of us three, uh, tell us more. Well, yeah, so... Um, what are they doing? Well, they've they've been having ongoing celebrations on the ABC. They had a bit of a a party, um, and um, you know, had a few things going on with various celebrities and what have you doing things. Um, unfortunately, I didn't watch any of it because I was hosting a quiz. But it sounded like oh, no. it all went really well. <laughs> okay, they're still on air, so it's uh, they they're still on air. So uh, uh, the bit the, the the thing with the the ABC, it's I mean it started out very much um, in my understanding like the BBC started and you know the American Broadcasting started as well. So that yeah, so they they're a government funded national broadcaster mm-hmm. and they have a charter that they have to adhere to, um, which talks <coughs> about having yeah, which talks about having balanced. Uh, broadcasting and um, providing educational programs for children and, um, you know, documentaries. And they also do a lot of international stuff. So they also uh, broadcast to other countries. Yeah, if you watch ABC Kids, there's a lot of uh, BBC Kids programming that makes yeah. its way over to ABC you Kids. You get like you get a lot of CBBS and CBBS. yes, it's CBBS. Yes, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, yeah. So Peppa Pig and uh, yeah, we get we get a lot of Canadian content and oh, British content. Do you get what's his name who does the Macaton on CBBS? I can't remember his name, but there is a lot of Macaton on CBBS. 
I don't this, know what a macatoni is. I'm sorry, Pete. Macatoni. It's a form of Mr. Um, Maker. Mr. Maker. Mr. Maker does a lot of macaton. Macaton. It's um, little princess. A form of signed language for children with learning difficulties. Oh okay. oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, they do. They do do a lot of that sort of um, programming for children with learning difficulties, and um, you know, diversity stuff as well. So there's a lot of inclusivity, um, and they always have done like since since the inception. And of course, you know, they've they've come up with very um, prize winning shows like Bluey. Yes, it's become quite popular around the world. I've heard. Um, I thought that was quite funny because I think I watched one of the very first episodes of Bluey when it was still a webcast before the ABC actually put it on air, so to speak. And I thought it was really, yeah, (laughs) uh, you know. Um, so they've always been in that realm and they've always been, um, you know, very committed to doing um current affairs. Um, political commentary, that sort of thing. So, you know, our, our favourite political commentator, Anthony Green, for instance, is, you know, he's the ABC man um, who who calls the elections. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was famously um, in an episode of Rake where you had Cleaver Green being interviewed with the Greens by Anthony Green. Oh, yeah. Greenception. Yeah. And of course, Cleaver yeah. Green, the show is an ABC production too. So, Rake, yes. Rake, Rake. Yeah. Rake. Um, Cleaver Green, the character, is a, is a yeah. character which is or owned Richard by the ABC. So, yeah. so it's all very, uh, all very, very incestuous. Yeah. Now, now, but, question. Cleaver question. Green interviewed with the Greens about whether it was the Greens that should have been voting for the Greens because there was a Green Party candidate that had done a deal with Cleaver Green and they were all being interviewed by Anthony Green. It's very green. It was a very green episode. Indeed. Was. Uh, so have are Sky News and Chris Kenny going ahead with their uh documentary about the ABC just to coincide with Well, so uh, yeah, so I heard about this documentary because evidently um Chris Kenny had approached um John Fame. And yes, and a number of other ABC luminaries, including Aisha Buttros. Yep. Um, and asked asked to interview them for this documentary about the ABC that they were making. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty much anyone who was from the ABC anyone said, no way, Jose. Yeah, sort of. Like, we know that you're going to try and turn this into something nasty about the ABC and attacking the ABC. So we're not even going to go there. Um, so I'm not quite sure if they did get anyone to interview for yeah, but uh, before before we started recording, we did get into a slightly heated argument about whether the ABC uh, is indeed a, a balanced uh, a balanced broadcaster. Just on that point, do either of you two remember the name of the Chris Kenny doco? Uh, was it called a whole bunch of lefty vegans? Don't actually remember. Your ABC exposed. Ah, oh, oh, okay, yes. yes, yes. Title. Yes. Oh, I wasn't too far off. 
which is which is really which is really um quite tame i would have Na thought, you know, nailing nailing his colors nah, to the flagpole your ABC. nailing his colors Look. to the marsh and proving he doesn't know his onions <laughs> no but but this, but this is the thing is it's like yes the abc has to operate under a charter um mm -hmm. the problem is i kept getting all their funding pulled so it was making it harder and harder for them to operate under the charter. They were having to cut programs like right and centre. I had noticed in the last few years of the Morrison government that, that they seemed to be putting more religious programming into the ABC. Such as? Such as? Well, so there was a lot more um, features on different religions and they had, um, I don't know, they were... They just seem to be referencing um, particular religious things more. I mean, I they always had a certain content in there, so they always had songs of praise on Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always had that. I yeah, turned yeah. off rage. Oh, songs of praise. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. after rage, right after rage. So you spent right like, after rage, you spent like, like you spent like eight hours in front of the TV with beer, with beer and pizza, and then all of a sudden, La! yeah, yeah, pretty much. And they it's always like, had it's compass. Like, it's like in the UK on the BBC, you'd have grandstand, which was like sport wall to wall, and then you'd have yeah. like, what? <laughs> yeah. And they always had a show called Compass, which was supposed to be a um, very multi-ranging focus on spirituality and 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 religious practices yep, yep. across the world. It wasn't just meant to be focused on Christianity and you know the GDA Christian religions, um, but it did tend to get more and more content that was interviewing particular people from those those sorts of denominations. There's a random hand. Yes, it's uh, <laughs> Damien Jr. is uh, making making an appearance. Damien Jr., hey. hello. How are you the, doing? The lady, the lady say hello. How are you doing? I'm good, is Dad. He, yeah, there you has go. he recovered from his covid he has. We have all we have all recovered from our COVID. Uh, COVID That's why you're dressed up like the Grim Reaper. Mm. No, I'm just uh, ugly and scary. That that's, that's, Aww, fine. that's, no, that's not true. Um, but yeah, so the ABC has always had some of that content on it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but it just seemed to become more so, and they were managing to get religious references into things like the um, the ABC breakfast programs and stuff like that that didn't used to be part of it so you know whether there was undue influence from the the government it kept accusing them of being left-wing left-wing anti-christian bias and they were yep. trying to insert that back in i'm not sure what that was oh, okay. but there's always been um concerted attacks against them by the liberal governments whatever ilk you're looking at they've always sought to hamper the ABC because they do see it as a left-wing mouthpiece. Whereas mm -hmm. the conversation we were having previously is were they biased or were they actually just telling the truth? So yeah. this is this so is the question is you go to. Is balance showing both sides of something, even if one side is demonstrably outrageously false yes. so for example so here's a so here's a random example that i know that damien will appreciate you have two sides of an argument one of them 
is talking about, yes, Vince McMahon really has resigned from the WWE. And the other side goes, no, no, that's all nonsense. He has not resigned. Is that being balanced or is that just platforming a lunatic? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's that dichotomy between what is fair and true reporting where mm-hmm. you're actually reporting factual information in a way that um, bears out under scrutiny or are you having a balance where you're telling both sides of a story when one side is wrong? Well, there's that, but it's also it's more to do with opinion. It's more to do with opinion, and I, I uh, now I have to admit because I come from that side of the political spectrum, I know exactly what I understand why the Sky News uh, Murdoch crowd uh, can always say the ABC is biased. I there's. Just trying to think of when but it was. Here's the thing, though. Sky News is biased. So yeah. to say that, yes, but they, but they don't biased. they don't have a charter to represent both. I understand or, or, or... that, but it does feel very <laughs> hypocritical. Rich coming from them. Uh, yeah, it's it is completely hypocritical. But but the charter for the ABC, but it, while they talk about balance in reporting, it's about factual, accurate reporting. Yes, but it's also yeah. the the representation of opinion <clears throat> as well. And I, I, can, I can tell but you. But you can represent an opinion and still call it crap. Oh, that's you can. You can. That's, yes, yes. That's what they do. They is, go, but... okay, this is this person's opinion and it's wrong and this is why. But sometimes. I can have that. I can be of the opinion that the earth is flat. That is demonstrably yeah. false. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That is demonstrably right. false. I am not. I could be calling you. So say you came onto a debate with me. And you were saying the earth is round, etc. And I was to call you a globe earth conspiracy theorist. The earth yeah. is flat, it's mm. a table. You are completely yeah. and utterly pushing the globe earth conspiracy. Yep. That would be an opinion, and a very valid opinion, but it's complete and utter horse shit. So should we be platforming that kind of horse manure, even though it's, it's well, no, no. Okay, I'll tell, I'll tell you an example from many, many, many moons ago, and this is one I kind of put, like, this is one I personally personally came across. When was it? Uh, Julia, Julia Gillard had given, so there was some sort of commission or inquiry, and I think it was to do with the house that she bought in Fitzroy, apparently with union money. Do any of you remember that? Oh, yeah, it was all very convoluted and very. It, it was. Was yes. it her and, money? Was it her salary from the union? But then, like, apparently, she, apparently, she'd flown to Perth to get a signature from someone who was supposed to have inspected the property or something. It was all very. Um, it was all very convoluted. It was. It was, and so she she gave testimony at this. Now, I don't know if it was specifically that, but she gave testimony at a particular inquiry. I forget. I forget exactly what inquiry it was, and apparently the testimony she gave was apparently damning, and you know put her in, in a very bad light. And I remember when the, like the next morning, John Fain. Uh, got on ABC ABC Melbourne because so John Fain was the host of ABC uh, Radio Melbourne for about twenty something years, so he got on he got on uh, on the radio and said, um, "The uh, Julie Gillard has spoken, and uh, nobody from the conservative side uh, is ready to ready to def- ready to speak up about it." Something like, he said something really really bold like that. 
and then I actually emailed the producer. This is when I was a right wing nutbag. I'm just I'm I'm just a plain nutbag now. But back then when I was a right wing nut, so I actually uh, emailed Sorry, the producer. a right wing religious nutbag. Correct. Yes, I forgot about that. Yes. Now I'm just a generally just a regular nutbag, regular atheist nutbag. Um, so I I emailed the ABC and I said, hey, you know, um, who did you actually contact to? uh speak up uh you know to give the other side of the story and they emailed me two names of uh like people i'd never heard of and i was just wondering like why didn't they contact people like andrew bolt who was probably the most uh high profile anti-julia gillard voice at the time aside from like steve price uh chris kenny uh, Chris Smith from uh, I think Two GB Radio, like I-, I could name at least half a dozen people who were firmly against Julia Gillard, but for some reason the ABC had contacted these two. Well, I'm going to say you know clowns because I've never heard of them. Uh, these two clowns, two unknowns, two unknowns. These unknowns had refused, like didn't want to talk to the ABC, and the ABC and John Fain had gone the 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 right wing does not want to talk about about the next question and and to me to me that kind of represent that kind of set it in motion next question that i have to ask yes you you may you may where does balance and avoiding being partisan political end up because then you could have had those unknowns yes you could have had those people that you spoke of but would that have been the ABC being partisan, which I don't think it's allowed to be under its charter? Well, the, the ABC <clears throat> were more than willing to air stuff that defended Julia Gillard, but there was a, a sizable uh, portion of the Australian population that did not like Julia Gillard and had suspicion to believe that she may have done some underhanded things. It was a big thing in the media. Oh, I'm, I'm not yeah. disputing that, but what I'm saying, but what I'm trying to get at is the underlying how far yes. does balance go before you have to say you're being partisan here? I, I think when there is a sizable voice for a particular opinion and you don't allow that uh, opinion on. So, for example, flat earthers. Uh, it's easy to say, I would say that flat earthers, flat earthers in Australia are a vast minority. And I think, Absolutely. and I think the only way they should get a voice, if there was like a documentary on flat earthism, I wouldn't. But uh, here's, the, here's a foil to that. Um, climate change skeptics. Yes. They're not a minority to the same degree that mm. flat earthers are. Yeah. In fact, they're quite a sizable minority. Mm-hmm. But some of them do spout some garbage. Mm-hmm. Yep, Should, absolutely. in the name of balance, they be put on because there's more of them? Yes, I, I would say yes. There is, given there is a sizable uh, population, the, 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 the ABC should not be factually false. Sorry. Even if what they're saying is factually false. But see that in that in that circumstance, Phoebe, the ABC under their charter has a responsibility to point out the evidence against. I understand that, that. but well, should but should <clears throat> in the name of the pursuit of balance, is it balanced? 
to put people on who are just well actually it's funny it's funny you say it's funny you say that's funny you say that uh some years ago i forget uh, probably at least 10 years ago there was a there was a documentary that was very skeptical of climate change now i forget what it was it was sort of like an antidote to an inconvenient truth and so the abc actually aired the documentary in full but straight away mm. afterwards they had a panel discussion featuring you know climate scientists to mm. um you know uh junk the documentary that they just played <clears throat> so i mean they they can that they can play genuous that does well that that's that's they, that's the abc then that's uh but that's what that's what they did they played uh, i'll see if I'm, uh, you two can talk i'll see if i can find the name of this documentary and uh uh but the abc from an entertainment point of view and from a local news point of view do you clancy think that it does things that wouldn't be done if it didn't exist oh absolutely yeah so <clears throat> i mean part of the charter is about um community inclusivity um not just in australia though across the world they, they have it part of their charter is actually broadcasting to other countries um you know asia and africa and all those sorts of places have access to abc content um and it's supposed to be <clears throat> um also promoting australia to the rest of the world that's actually part of their charter as well is promoting um australian culture and and um the country itself so which is interesting because you know i don't think any of the other privately owned or run broadcasting corporations have anything of that sort uh sky news sky news did have a a, a tender to broadcast into asia oh, okay there you go point, at one point yeah so, until the Rudd, until the Rudd government pulled the rug out from Sky News and gave it to the ABC, oh, what a surprise! Yeah. So look, I'm actually I've actually just looked up the charter so I can I can speak specifically to some of the things in it. So um, one of one of the duties of the board of the ABC <clears throat> is to ensure that the gathering and presentation by the Corporation of News and Information is accurate and impartial according to the recognised standards of objective journalism and to ensure that the corporation does not contravene or fail to comply with any of the provisions of this act or any other act that are applicable to the corporation, any directions given to or requirements made in relation to the corporation under any of these provisions and to develop codes of practice relating to programming matters. Um, the corporation has the function of providing a data casting service that service and to notify these codes to the ACMA. So that like they're all operating under standards. Um, and the problem is that if you have the government is then turning around and going, well, you have to restrict what you're saying or say something that's not in your charter, that's when the, that backlash happens because, you know, the ABS is like, well, we're an independent organisation. We might be funded by the government, Mm -hmm. but we have independence under this charter. Um, so the reaction of the government at the time, the Liberal government, was to restrict their funding because that's what they had control over. They don't have control over the ABC itself. They only have control over how it's funded. 
which meant so the, that so the they ABC, have a board. So so the government installs a board that then runs the ABC. That's right, and that and that was the thing is that was one of the reasons they put Ida Buttrose in there. You know, because I think they thought that by doing that, that um, they would be able to control it. But I think Ida um, surprised them a little bit and actually became a little bit more independent than they <laughs> yep, were yep. prepared prepared for. Um, because, you know, when you come down to it, it's about the journalistic integrity of these sorts of people. And Ida Buttrose has always been a very strong voice in Australian media. And has always been strongly independent. So even though historically she has been working for right-wing media, that doesn't necessarily mean that's because she's... doesn't mean the journalistic standards are in the toilet just because exactly, it's a different exactly side right. of the spectrum. Exactly right. And um, it's, it's sort of interesting to contemplate because a lot of my, my relatives, for instance, have worked for many years in Fairfax... Um, you know, the Australian Consolidated Press, um, working for newspapers like the Australian Sydney Morning Herald and things like that. And when Fairfax was taken over by Channel 9, there was this mass exodus. Um, part of it was that these people were being sacked because Channel 9 was downsizing and trying to save money and they were just cutting whole departments. We don't need you anymore. So they just cut them. Mm -hmm. And the ones that were left behind weren't being given the resources to do their jobs anyway and the and the mandates that they were being given they didn't agree with, so they quit. So you had a whole, you know, segment of the Australian media has basically been floating in the ether because they've got, they've got no, no way to actually say what they used to say and... And that's part of that whole Murdoch takeover as well. Murdoch and, you know, Channel 9 have completely destabilised it. And the only one left that has any independence is the ABC. So, you know, it's it's just it's just interesting that... Um, well, hold on. You, you, have, you have the New Daily who are, you know, doing... Uh, you had you had Crikey, <coughs> you had uh, BuzzFeed, you've got, you've you got had Cri look, you the do. New you've Daily, got you've got, all, you've got all these different... So you You've do have all these different outlets. ones popping up. Yeah. Yes. So it, it, is, it isn't that Murdoch is going in with, you know, guns and grenades and shooting down the competition. You know, it's not, it's not like that. It's he, Well, it's more that he's destabilised the larger ones that were his main rivals, I guess. So the, that's the thing, though, is all those journalists had to go to new homes. And what's been happened is they've been founding their own independent little um organization yep. so yeah you've got crikey.com and you've got the conversation and you've surely got... that's a good thing though oh, look i think it is a good is thing De definitely definitely but it's also made it the rise of subscription media so a lot of these places... yeah, but the, the, yeah but the problem is that that's the way of the world like everything that's is becoming subscription yeah. it's like it's like look at television nowadays over the top streaming services that make linear television look ridiculous <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can't... In, as, in as far as things like balance goes, it's about who you listen to too. And I think it's divided society a lot more in that because we've got all these different choices, there seems to be a, a larger um, delineation between what's left-wing and what, what's right-wing than there used to be. Because you used to get, in one paper, you'd get a variety of views. Now we're all going, oh, I don't believe in those views, so I'm only going to read this paper. 
Well, no, it's more that why would my favorite newspaper publish this rubbish? I'm going to find someone that just publishes views the that I agree that with. The stuff that I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah the stuff, exactly. all the stuff that I, I agree with. So, yeah. for example, I have, uh, I, I don't know if you've used it because I gave you the uh, passwords for it, uh, The Age. I actually like The Age because they do publish both sides of, uh, of, of, of arguments. Yeah, and that's true. And the age and, and, is and they never used to. They never used to, and they never used to because the age used to be called the Spencer Street Soviet, up yeah. until it got taken over by Nine. In which case, I felt it was a lot more balanced. I don't think it's particularly right nor left. I just think it's you know it is down the middle as as far as like definitely a lot more down the middle than let's say the Herald Sun or the Daily Telegraph or or the Australian. Well, so the Daily Telegraph was never one of my favourite newspapers, I'd have to say. Uh, it, it was um, good for a laugh. I'll, I'll say that much. It's good for yeah, a laugh. Yeah, this is stupid. But, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the Australian the Sydney Morning Herald were two newspapers that I used to read a lot when I lived in Sydney. Yep. And mostly the journalism in those was pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, I even read it when my uncle was writing for them. Um, <clears throat> but the, um, I mean, the Melbourne Age is an interesting one because yeah i probably would yeah. read it would have read it more before than yep. i do now because it's okay. it's gone a bit too right wing now for me okay. yeah um <coughs> but it there's it's this argument about you know people will always read the views that they already agree with so you tend to you tend to to always um I guess gra gravitate towards yeah. the TV or the content or whatever that you already agree with, which reinforces your opinions. So it means that it is very hard to provide balanced reporting in that sense because you're going to ignore the stuff that you don't agree with, and you're going to just go to the stuff that you do agree with. And I think also, um, I think also because Australia is a small market, there isn't like you kind of have to appeal to more people. To generate the eyeballs, to generate the clicks and the revenue and the you know and the purchases and and all that. In, in America, where you've got three hundred million people, uh, a company like Fox can survive because let's say you have fifty million subscribers. You know, you mm. have fifty million subscribers. That's that's enough to keep a a, a partisan uh, news outlet like, like outlet like Fox in business. Whereas someone tries something like that here. I don't think they could because that they may only get like let's say ten thousand ten thousand people who were rusted on enough well, to listen to. I'm sorry, but Sky News is equivalent to Fox in my view. Okay, I dis it's I disagree. Not that I, much, I, it's not that much better than Fox. I see where you're coming from, though. I will disagree. I think that they're definitely right, but I don't think they're far right. I think they're clearly right, but I think they're more. Yeah, well, I don't think. <clears throat> I mean, look, conf confessing that I'm guilty of exactly the same thing that I just yeah. said is I tend not to watch Sky News because I think their content okay. is crap. I don't, I don't watch so, Sky News much anyway. But actually, no, no, no. Yeah, I shouldn't say, yeah, I should, I should say Fox. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say Fox. I should say InfoWars. Let's use InfoWars uh, as a, you know, let's say you have yeah. 100,000 people in America who listen to InfoWars and think Alex Jones is the best thing, the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. He, he, if you tried that here, you would not get that because you don't have that many people to keep the business going. Whereas in the land of the free and home of the brave, where Phoebe gets her fiancés from. <laughs> yeah, so okay. I'm, on, I'm on American fiancé number two now. Yeah, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. I didn't know that about you, Phoebe. Um, maybe you need to 
come to Australia and get an Australian fiance. Get an Aussie chick. Get an Aussie chick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's better. Like, like, Called Chazza, who wears mockies. I, I don't know. I, like... I, might have a, I might have a few contacts. But <laughs> I feel like I could end up like Jason Robertson and get acquitted of murder if I'm not oh. careful. <laughs> oh, jeez. But, but, you know, having said all of that, I don't tend to watch those sorts of programs because I know that I'm not going to enjoy them and that right. they're not going to align with my views. And so that that's going to be a fundamental issue with any of those media outlets is you're going to have some people who will gobble it all up and other people who will go, not going there, I'm, you know, doing this other thing. So, you know, I had had a bit of a, 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 I won't say an argument, but a debate with... um, You had a a tete-a-tete. A a tete-a-tete with a A certain relative of mine who does actually appear quite regularly on those sorts of programs and i was uh, a little bit critical of the fact that they were appearing on these Does his programs then begin with p and and quest and questioned and questioned their journalistic integrity mm. um and they weren't they weren't very well pleased with me let me put it that way <laughs> what, a, but, what a surprise what a surprise <laughs> but this but this has always been the thing i i i found it really interesting that there was a um Oh, they did something in the USA where they actually got people to watch something other than Fox News. Um, I can't remember what the actual show was, but it was a lot more left-wing. The Clinton um, News Network? I can't remember. Um, well, they actually presented television to them from other places in the world that wasn't Fox News. Yeah, yeah. And many people's opinions on certain world events changed dramatically because they were actually being provided with factual information about world events, things like climate change. Yep, yep. And Trump was a big thing because they'd been fed all this stuff from one news yeah. outlet and they just believed everything they were being told. Yep. And then when they actually got exposed to some of the content from other places that was critical of Trump, their opinion changed. So, I mean, I think it it is necessary for us to be exposed to lots of different views yeah, indeed. because that's yep. what encourages critical thinking. Yep, indeed, yes. If one yes, thing we well. one thing we agree on that is uh, indeed we need to absolutely not not, not be close minded yes. not be close minded now Phoebe do but you have yes, anything I... you want to talk about before we get to, to other talking points? Well, I have just dropped something which has not long dropped, and that is that monkeypox has now been declared a global health emergency by the World Health Organization. So oh, yeah, dear. oh dear, that's not a good thing at all. And as, as if Europe as, has been described as a high risk area, by lucky. Oh dear! So, as if one virus isn't enough, let's uh, let's go for another one. Yes, but there's already a vaccine against this one. Oh, okay, all right, well, that's that's good. That's uh... yeah, but there yeah. is a, there is a vaccine because it's it is related to um, smallpox. Smallpox, yeah. But if I if I understand correctly. Uh, one of the major drivers of monkeypox is male-to-male sexual activity. Not necessarily male-to-male. Well, it's just yeah. sexual activity. Intimate sexual activity. Okay, I was reading somewhere that it was uh, male-to-male sexual activity that was indeed a one of the bigger factors. Like, yes, yeah, sexual activity in general, but male-to-male. The reason that it's male-to-male is of a higher, quote, risk factor. Yes. Is because yeah. there are things like saunas and others similar establishments which are 
heavily frequented by males who are attracted to other people who have the same anatomy as them. I'm very careful not to break the terms of service at anchor here. <laughs> and there are certain areas of this which are very sauna-like, shall we say, yep. that do allow gender intimate conditions this to actually spread very well. Okay. Yeah, so I think it, is... I think it, it's a more of a cultural cultural thing than necessarily specific to um, it was like that, when they said that AIDS was the gay man disease, but it's it's not. It's just it's not, no. no, but I, I think there is a I think there's a way we can say they are that, a higher so, risk. Yeah, indeed, population. but but yes. I don't I don't think it's particularly homophobic to say that you know male to male sexual activity is a you know like if it is well, if it is indeed sexually is. Well, so if 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 sexual activity is a general driving factor, but there is a more higher risk with male to male sex. Then you know, I don't think it's a bad thing to. There's a higher. Risk. There's probably there's a higher risk in certain sectors of those who engage in male to male sexual yes, activity. Yes, yeah, that's and I think that's uh, yeah. yeah. That's an accurate <clears throat> way of putting it. But saying male to male sex is more of a risk factor. You could argue that certain heterosexual activities, which are the same as done in male to male sexual activities, would be of the same risk factor. Shall we say? But I, I think yeah. there's, I think, I, th I think there's a good way we can put it without making it like a persecution campaign or without having absolutely, to, without having to like couch our language. I think there's a way we can say it I, without. I, the, the reason that I'm being very careful in the way that I'm speaking at the moment is because of the terms of service of anchor, <laughs> and I have looked them up. Oh, and I well, can't yeah. say certain so, things. Someone's actually read the trouble. fine print. Someone's actually read the fine print. Very, very good. I can't, I can't, I can't promote certain sexual activities on Ooh. here and using certain terms that begin with the letter b okay i will very uh, well with what I you're will, saying in that case in that case i will uh let's move on to some other talking points um so one of the biggest uh news points in victoria was the jason roberts acquittal and this is something you alluded to earlier phoebe was that about 20 something years ago two victoria police uh two serving officers uh silk and miller who their last names i forget their uh, actual first names they were on a stakeout because a number of restaurants had been targeted in armed holdups so what then happened was uh, these two police officers had pulled over a car that they believed was uh driven by people uh, either one person or two people, depending on what you what you believe, that were doing these armed holdups. Unfortunately, both the police officers were shot. Uh, one of them died at the scene, and the other one died uh, in hospital sometime later. Uh, two people were arrested about a year and a half later. Uh, one was sentenced to life, never to be released, and the other one was sentenced to I think like uh, thirty something thirty something years. What it then turned out was, uh, so Jason Roberts, the gentleman in question, uh, he he had always protested his innocence, and about five years ago, a a judge had uh, gone through the evidence and had overturned the conviction in order for a retrial to happen. That retrial has just happened where I think there were like 900 pieces of evidence. There were numerous witnesses called. There were, it was a very big, uh, uh, what was it? Hold on, here we go. So 90 witnesses, 200 exhibits and hours of recorded conversations. And the jury found Jason Roberts innocent of, the, of being complicit in the murder of these two police officers. 
Now, what is what struck me was that uh, the same day that the acquittal was announced was that Shane Patton, who is the current uh, Victoria Police Commissioner, came out and said that this is essentially a, tra a travesty of justice. Uh, it is injustice for the families of those two murdered officers. Um, you know, he was in tears, and then the, the widow of uh, the of the two police officers also had a few things to say, indicating that this whole thing was a miscarriage of justice uh, for the two murdered policemen, not for the guy who was found, who was acquitted of murder charges because the reason he was acquitted of murder charges was because Victoria Police did not follow protocol. They, uh, I won't say they fabricated evidence, but they backdated statements in order to uh, rail... Uh, steer the investigation towards a particular suspect that they had in mind. So rather than let the evidence carry it to the suspect, they let the suspect carry the evidence and then uh, yes. pinged him on that. So Jason Roberts, after serving 20-something years uh, in prison, is now a free man. But I just find it interesting that uh, the police are all coming out and saying that this is a travesty of justice, that um, you know this is the, one of the worst things for the families. Whereas it was proven that it was their own stupid fault for, you know, doctoring evidence for not following procedures that led to the acquittal of, of this guy. So the names you're looking for are Sergeant Gary Silk and Senior Constable Rodney Miller. That is correct. Yes, I remember their surnames. I forgot, I forgot their first names, but yes. So the thing that always amazes me, and it reminds me of a case in UK where a foster father was found originally guilty of murdering his foster daughter and then was found not guilty because the police had said all this evidence and they had claimed all these other things that hadn't happened and the evidence was steered in a certain way. They said it was disgraceful and it was disgusting that the family aren't going to get justice and peace now. Whereas what that smells like every time I hear a police force say something like that is how dare we not be seen Hel as infallible? How dare we be held accountable for our mistakes? Absolutely. And that is the most dangerous thing. That is one of the reasons why particularly minority communities such as the communities I come from have such a distrust for the police because it's happened so frequently. And this is just another example mm -hmm. of the police acting as if they aren't bound by the law and they can just be the law. Well, they they, they're bound by the law, but they are. But they never make mistakes. And, and any Absolutely. mistakes they do make are just okay. That that's not uh, material to the case we're trying to present. Our our methods justify our ends. Yes. And I think that, that was the case a in this dangerous way of going about it. Yeah, and this is why we have uh, trials where there are strict procedures of evidence, and you know, I, I'm glad that the bar for a conviction is very partial jurors and stuff. Indeed, yes, and we we need the bar to be set really high to make sure that when someone is found guilty, that they are actually guilty. Because you are taking away fundamental human right. You are taking away somebody's freedom. This is one of the reasons why I'm personally opposed to the death penalty, because you cannot undo the death penalty. Yes. And you no, cannot I... kill an innocent man, full stop, even if it only ever happens once. Mm. 
for the thousand people that are guilty, that one innocent man <coughs> cannot be brought back from the dead. He cannot be resurrected. Yes. Whereas, a, person, a person who was alive can be acquitted and released. That's Absolutely. right. And whereas you can make Jason reparations Roberts, to that person, but you can't do Whereas Jason Roberts can now walk free as a free man, having been found not guilty at a retrial. Whereas potentially, if the death penalty had been around, he could have been executed under this. And then yeah. later... Oh, sorry. No, you didn't actually do it. (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, we've made a mistake. We've killed you now. So, but in that case, then who's held accountable? State-sanctioned murder. Who's Mm. held accountable for it? And that's the thing. It is. It is literally state-sanctioned murder. And yes, yeah, it's yeah. So I'm personally against the death penalty as well. But um, and and one of the other. Sorry, speaking to what was. Phoebe was just saying to it, and it's one of, of the course. reasons they now have the Innocence Project in America. Yes, I've read about that. Yes. A, group, a group of lawyers got together and basically were aware of um, cases where this had happened, where innocent people had been put to death. Uh, particularly, um, and later particularly minorities. Particularly minorities. Particularly minorities, yeah. And later cleared of the crime that they had been accused of. Um, Which is one often, of the weird positives to come out of the OJ Simpson trial. In, yeah, very true. Yeah, so as it's, much it's, as people as much as people rally against OJ Simpson using mega million dollar lawyers and so on and so on and so yeah. on. what he did show was just how bad the police was. It didn't matter in the end that he probably did kill those two people. This, as you say, the standard was set and quite rightly set very high, but the police never met it. Mm. The police yeah. never met that standard. And I think so the I think the I think the quote was if the glove doesn't fit you must acquit. Absolutely. If it doesn't I fit think I, you must acquit. And um, I think too it's throwing this focus on um a culture within police not just in australia but this is across the world and in america particularly where they have to get somebody for the crime even if they're not actually guilty mm-hmm. you know yeah. this perception that we we must do justice but it's like we must have justice for the person who's died but that doesn't necessarily mean it's just for the person who's actually been accused Arrested. of the crime yeah yeah so and 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 it's something that's always really puzzled me that they would put so much effort into convicting someone and cooking up evidence against this person that they're so sure has done it rather than actually looking at it and going, well, if they didn't do it, who did? Yeah. Well, look, I'm glad that they have gotten better at policing and uh, stuff like that. And the, the amount of convictions overturned, is uh reducing which is which is good however that's not to say that obviously they're perfect but uh i i suppose uh if this were 50 years ago we would see a lot more people being killed on you know innocent people killed innocent people jailed um yeah stuff stuff like that well, speaking uh, we, of the criminal justice system speaking of the criminal justice system indeed yes good old dan andrews and his friends aren't going to face any criminal proceedings at all are they no that this is uh quite surprising i don't know i i don't know how you They're can not face any at all uh, i don't know how you can uh i suppose engage in dishonest practices to the tune of like 1.3 million dollars and not 
have any charges be recommended against you? Mm. <laughs> I mean, ITAC would have a field day. Yes, and... <laughs> Um, and the police themselves has said, no, we see nothing here to uh, warrant laying of charges. This is an internal party matter. <laughs> this is not for us no, to deal it's with. embezzlement. It is fraud. It is misappropriation of public funds. <laughs> <laughs> but nothing to see here, no. Um, so, but Dan has actually, I was surprised that Dan Andrews apologised. It's not very often that Dan kind of comes out and apologizes wholesale for something this party did. And he promises to be better. And he promises to implement all 21 recommendations of the Ombudsman. But that, and that's but that's exactly the way that these all always should be approached. I mean, I think I said um in a previous podcast. The thing that makes a scandal is when you deny that it's true, mm-hmm. when it is true. And that's when the scandal comes out because then everyone jumps on board you and starts attacking you. But the minute you you front up to it and go, oh, yeah, yeah, that happened. I'm sorry. You lose you lose all yeah. momentum, I guess. Yeah. And it's it's why it's why people like Bojo and Scummo and Trumpo um, got away with things because they went, yeah, I did it. So what? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's oh, yeah. No. <laughs> come, come at me. <laughs> But I think the whole thing is that there was there's no criminal charges being laid. You know, if I stole fifty bucks off of a a, you know, a lady down the street, you know, mm. you can bet there'll be something, you know, happening. At least a police report somewhere. But when a political party, especially the governing political party, kind of misuses electoral staff for party political purposes, and then goes, look, look, we're sorry. Just in time for an election, by the way. There is an election coming in uh, in a couple mm. months' time. Oh, look, we're sorry. We promise we will implement these these reforms. Yes, trust us, we will. Look, it's just curious to me too that the the Dan Andrews government, um, the, the Gladys Berejiklian government, mm-hmm. were being hailed for doing such a good job during the pandemic, but now the pandemic seems to be losing momentum, so the worm has turned. Yeah. You know, and they're being thrown under the bus well, by the if, same people who are lauding them. Well, if you do silly and corrupt things, I think you should be, uh, you know, held accountable for the silly and corrupt things you do. Oh, completely. But the, <laughs> And this is one of the reasons we need federal corruption bodies and, you know, yes. a federal ICAC, amongst other things. Well, look, if... Um, it would be if, useful... Yes, yeah, well, if if uh, Anthony gets his act together, then we can have a federal corruption watchdog yeah. with actual teeth. With, with actual, actual teeth. teeth. With actual yeah, teeth, we... yes. Not just uh, you know, the wet lettuce across the wrist, you know. We yeah. Need a... Well, yes. But, but, and, and, yeah. and that's the thing, though. It's like uh, the, the, re- the reason why they didn't bring it in, in my opinion, and it is only my opinion, but I think maybe people do share it, is that the, the Liberal coalition was too scared of what they might actually uncover if they brought it in on of their own uh indiscretions yes and it's a motivation now for the labor party to truly get their house in order Mm -hmm. if they're going to bring it in because they're going to be subject to it as well well you you just have to look at what happened to gladys to realize what happened to gladys can happen to them it can and it can happen to anyone but that also then speaks to that whole idea of 
admitting up to things before they get laid out for the public to see yep, yep. Um, and, and diffusing the whole situation. So I think we had this conversation before when we were talking about when um, Trump, well, Gladys, but also when Trump got elected is the sins of the past, you know, that a lot of a lot of people wouldn't get nominated in the first place if they actually did proper background checks. But this is the thing, is that it would it would probably much invalidate um two-thirds of people who run for, for office. Because have everybody you, have you paid your taxes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Are you, a Are you an Australian citizen? <laughs> yes. Are you a bankrupt? Do you no. hold any other citizenships and have you <laughs> yeah. investigated whether you hold any other citizenships? Have, have you made have you made a right wing political podcast that might influence things? <laughs> have you know or a left wing political podcast? Or a left wing political but podcast. Anyway, 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 we're digressing from the old bill here. Because there was someone that you wanted to talk about, wonderful Damien. Man oh. named Englin Yes, what? I was about to mention that. Yes. Uh, so where was it? Where in my notes? Where are my notes? My lovely notes. So, so, so your notes say a small time crook who the Vic police created an informer file oh, and yes. then gave to a drugs baron in in lockdown. Correct. Yes. So Englin Offley, who was a small time, a small this, this came out of the age uh, yesterday at uh, time of recording. Anyway, um, yeah. So he was a small time crook. Uh, his house was uh, was the uh, scene of a drive by. Um, he didn't want to talk to police uh, because you know he kind of understood what happened to uh, people who talked to police in the underworld. And yeah, but what then happened was someone in Victoria Police. Uh, made him an informer, but not a registered informer. So, they, so he was an intelligence source, but not a registered informer. And there's a difference between the two. If you are a registered informer, there are actually efforts to go to conceal your identity. But if you're just an intelligence source, your name and everything is all written down and everything's clear to see. But then what happened was the file that was created for him as an intelligence source got leaked out to this drugs baron in prison. How did that happen? God only knows. But now this gentleman is now fearing for his life because what happens to snitches get stitches and end up in ditches, essentially, in the underworld. But he was adamant that he did not want to be a registered source, a registered informer, anything like that. He wanted to keep his mouth shut. But for some reason, a file was made and then leaked. How did that happen? Maybe the same way that uh, the, the Christine and Terence Hodson, uh, you know, informer file was leaked. This for the same reason that uh, Nicola Gobbo was a lawyer in snitching on her own clients. Mm, maybe for the same reason that Danny Laidley, a transgender woman, had photos of her of her uh, arrest leaked to the media by serving police officers in their duty as police officers. Mm. Who knows? There's no problem in Victoria Police. No, they're not pressing charges against political parties that have, you know, <laughs> wrought to the public system. There's no issue with, you know, um, using a, a lawyer as an informer. No, there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, backdating statements to make it look like your preferred suspect was guilty of a crime. No. And now, why this guy has an under has has his under his informer file leaked to a drugs baron currently in prison for murder? 
Don't know. No, no, no. But the, oh, the, the but the, the biggest problem the biggest problem that Shane Patton faces is Jason Roberts being acquitted because of uh you know police uh you know because of police uh, mishandling of evidence. No, that's the real tragedy of justice here. Let me tell you. But anyway, let's switch over from the wonders of the Victoria. <laughs> yes. Let's go to New South Wales, shall we? Just quickly and before we before we wrap up. Or should we go off to New York, as uh, John Barillario says? Well, he, he, he was about to go to New York, but then um, what happened? What happened, Phoebe? Tell us more. Well, John Barillario kind of, you know, let the cat out of the bag that he was going to exit politics, and then he was going to, you know, get this cushy job. In, in well, let, let's let's actually let's actually background that a little bit. Was that in the dying days of the uh, Gladys Berejiklian premiership, That's there was a right. position called I think Trade Ambassador to New York, or Trade Ambassador That's to right. America, and they actually publicly advertised the position. And there were three very strong candidates, including I think the name was Janice West. Who so was actually the official like... appointment was as a trade commissioner oh, sorry, yes. to the Americas. That's thank you, thank you, yes. Trade commissioner to the Americas, and there were three suitable candidates, including a, a, a woman who who spent like fifteen years in the public service and knew, you know, career knew, diplomat knew her shit backwards and forwards. But then uh, John Barillaro lost his uh, deputy premiership, which gave him all this free time. And what was he going to do with his free time, Phoebe? He Spend it in New York. He was going to become the. Uh, he was going to be. He was going to become something to do with being a commissioner for something. Oh, but didn't they already have someone chosen to be commissioner? Well, she got sent a text message saying, "Sorry, we're going a different direction, love." Oh, and, and who ended yes, up? Yes, we're getting... giving it to someone as a present. Her <laughs> name John got it. Oh, so John, John got it instead. Oh, um, is John somehow politically connected to the current governing party by any chance? Not anymore. He's lost his. He lost that job. Doesn't have oh, that. Oh, but anymore. does he know people inside the current governing party? Not anymore. He's lost that job. No, oh, he's okay. lost that job. <laughs> but no, yes. No, 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 no. Any, 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 any impropriety looks are purely coincidental here. They are purely fabricated. They are purely coincidental here. But they the question, the question anyway. is, the question is, how much did Dominic Perrottet know? Yes. Like a lot by the sounds of it. And this is the thing. It's more his uh, his chief of staff, Adam Foda, seems to know a fair bit about uh, John's up John Barillara's upcoming career. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the thing was, though, that is the most amazing thing about this new revelation is that John Barillario was telling his security that he was off to New York the no security, his chief of staff, that he was off to New York while she was still deputy premier. Whoa! Strike me dead. When I leave politics, I'm going to get a government trade job in New York. And then they created a trade job in New York. Curious, curious. The curiosities are endless. Who would have thought that Italy could learn from Australia <laughs> when it comes to political corruption? Who oh, could have no. thought about that? But, well, I, I mean, yes. I think there was an interesting phrase that I read 
about this too was that they changed the definition of the position from a public service position to a political appointed position. Yes, oh. they did as well. Yeah, they did. And that well. was so after they'd have... already offered the job to the highly qualified public servant. Yes. Oh boy. What a what a fun state of affairs. Well, speaking of fun state of affairs, I've had a lot of fun, ladies. How about you two? I think I think though, that we should head to the pub though. I think we should head to the pub one last time at the end of this because Walkabout Pub is now for sale. Walkabout Pub, where have I seen that before? Walkabout Pub. You might have seen the Walkabout Pub as seen in Paul Hogan's very own Crocodile Dundee. It's for sale now. Oh, okay. Uh, how much has it gone for? Well, you see, they're, they're being very cagey on the price because they don't want to pull off potential investors. But it is up for sale. Okay. Walkabout Creek Hotel is now up for sale. Well, they won't put a dollar. They won't put a dollar amount on it because it's you know they say it's worth what people will, are willing to pay for this slice of Australian cultural heritage. Well, so essentially, it's priceless. Or is it worthless? Maybe John Barillaro can head over there and uh, be the trade commissioner for the Walkabout Pub. But anyway, till next time. Or potentially he could trade it to America. (laughs) Well, there we go. Phoebe, what's coming up with with you on uh, Transition Stories? What's coming up with me, there's an episode that was recorded earlier today with Goddammit Malcolm. And as of time of recording, there is another episode being broadcast next week. With someone named Sky, and then at the end of August, I'm broadcasting again with a woman named Disabled Jess. So, Transition Stories is plugging along quite nicely. Very nice. But yes, what's happening in the world of your podcasts and wrestling with atheism and all that kind of stuff? Well, well, well. Uh, today, as a time of recording, probably about 20 minutes ago, uh, episode 73, Asian Culture is Awesome, My Time in Singapore, uh, just dropped, where I, d- I discussed the good, the bad, and the indifferent about Singapore, and also how I got COVID. Um, and yes, coming up, uh, I'll, I do have a episode about Hillsong coming up, and I will uh, at some time go over Scott Morrison's sermon, which will be a lot of Ooh, fun. Oh, yes. That will be an interesting one. I'll definitely have to load that one up on my listening. Spotify, yes, your listening program. Yes. And Clancy, what, what, what's your week looking like? Um, Well, work, it's been quite busy because um, here in Tassie, we've had a massive um, COVID um experience i guess and the healthcare systems pretty much um chockers Uh, i think there's over 300 um nurses and other healthcare professionals who are currently off sick with covid and that's not counting the close contacts and the family members that they're having to look after and things like that so we're having a rolling issue with staffing in in tassie yep um i and also it happens like bang in the middle of our school holidays, which meant that we already had quite a few people who were on leave, um, including um, a lot of our, our doctors and nurses who had already gone off to parts unknown with their children. Um, there's been lots of disruptions around Australia, as da- um, Damien's probably aware, lots of flights being cancelled and... Mm-hmm. I was happy she... in your neck of the woods too. And lots of yeah, luggage, lots of, lots of luggage being lost as well. Yeah. You've got luggage yeah. mountains, uh, baggage reclaim. Say it again, Phoebes? Do you have luggage mountains at baggage reclaim? 
Uh, no, it's more that the luggage just isn't on the plane to get over to the oh. baggage claim on the other side. See, we're, yeah. we're getting the opposite effect here. We're getting luggage mountains where oh. it's all just coming off and it's not even being put on the carousel. It's just, not being just, back on again. just, just being yeeted over. They're, they're kind of yeah. just driving up with the things that they do it in and they're just going, <laughs> next. <laughs> Until next so, yes. time. <laughs> Until Indeed. Indeed. Until next time, I'm Damien, that's Phoebe, and that's Clancy. And I'm Phoebe. She's Phoebe. Bye now. Bye. Ciao, ciao. No, I'm Phoebe. I'm Phoebe. She's Damien. I'm still Clancy. No, you're Damien. In history's page, let every stage advance Australia fair. Australia. Yeah.